Today's sponsor is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash Westworld and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a tile for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash Westworld or text Westworld to 500-500 to get started today. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Bald Move. Get 25% of a new annual membership by going to club.baldmove.com and using code WW2018 at checkout. Again, this is for new annual memberships only. 25% off at club.baldmove.com using WW2018 at checkout. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 5, titled Akane no Mai. Uh, what do you think of this episode, second time through? Uh, well, I didn't have as many problems with you the first time I watched it, um, so I enjoyed it the second time. I thought it is doing some interesting things with... Like the reason you see Maeve kind of see this trauma through another person's eyes, I think, is to beat into us that you know the whole this whole line of like you like, like you can't advance or, or or grow beyond something without suffering. And we see Maeve several times having physical and mental anguish, and that unlocking a new power. So like you know you can debate how much film time you need to establish that, but like. <laughs> If she just started, like, fucking Neo from the Matrixing everything from the jump, that would be dumb. And if they spent three hours explaining the ability, that, too, would be dumb. I thought it was a pretty nice balance. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was fun, something that you don't get to say a lot about Westworld, seeing the similarities between Westworld and Samurai World, although those are problematic from a gameplay perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I... I really liked it. I still am not sure about the Dolores stuff, but I have I, I still have faith that that is all intentional and it's going to mean something uh, before the season's over. Uh, what did you think, man? You're uh, the one that was kind of like shaky on 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 everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, second time through, I liked it a lot more. I think my one of my minor, I guess, complaints about Westworld is that the the show is a little schizophrenic in what it's doing each from week to week. So like last week it was balls out plot development, like huge mystery reveals. What does this mean for the show and the story implications? Uh, this week, very, very light on that. Um, there were a couple of details dropped in, but mostly it was character development and that's fine. Uh, I just feel like it gives me whiplash from week to week. Like I'm going into this episode, like expecting Something huge, you know, big developments like last week. This is what we're going to do. Right. And then the show goes completely the other direction. And there, right. there isn't this, like, really solid mix for me. So, like, it just, it leaves me, like, should I expect, like, cerebral existentialism this week? Or should mm. I expect awesome sci-fi, you know, reveals in the plot and the mystery? Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I'd expect it to be schizophrenic. It, we've only been through, what, 15 iterations? And, like, you know, Delos at 149... <laughs> like, yeah, like we, we're gonna true. need fifteen. We're gonna, we're gonna need fifteen apart. plus seasons to even get like to, to some kind of thirty day stability window. So that's true. But I do like it second time around in more of the right frame of mind to watch this episode. Uh-huh. 
Um, I think it's doing a lot of th- the thing that I think Westworld has done so well with these other two parks that we've seen so far is use them to establish characters very quickly. Like, right. That's a very... We know everything about these characters because we already know they're doppelgangers, right, you know? Right, right, right. Um, they, they did the same thing with Roger World. Like, they caught... They they did not waste time telling the audience things they already know about that right, world. Right, um, They simply introduced us to a new concept with a cool new character, and that's it. You know, it's not just narrative economy from characters. It's also, I think, um, it says something that the show is trying to say about humans like isn't it interesting that you can set a story in the west in the 19th century west in america mm-hmm. and you can set the same exact story in you know late medieval japan and no one says this would you know like it, it's all about armies and conquest and mm-hmm. acquisition of money and sex and these yeah. the, 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 despite completely divergent cultures mm-hmm. in completely different times with tech, different technologies and and cultural and historical context these plots are not out of place and you could take the same plot and throw it into you know game of thrones medieval world and probably can, and, and it all like like mesopotamia world and it all work and i feel like that that's part of like this lyrical structure that joy and nolan are trying to say about our essential human nature and maybe something needs to change or something that the hosts can evolve beyond. But so, like, they're packing – I mean, it, it is and, – and also they're lampshading people that are just going to, um, like, enjoy it at its basis level as just kind of a wink and, a, and, a, and like, a sight gag that, like – because Lee is essentially it's, – it's, it's explained in universe as Lee being a lazy or maybe efficient story writer. Like – the fact that you can do that much heavy lifting in a single episode and do all accomplish all those goals is actually kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I and I, you can do it with some pretty cool action set pieces as well. Right, right. Something that's completely visually visually different, and that's yeah. the thing. It's like as I was watching um, this episode again, I just noticed like, man, I just like I mentioned in Instant Talk podcast, like I the look and feel of West or of Samurai World just is so much better like i i feel like i could go into my backyard and knock together in a mariposa uh-huh. in a couple of weekends like i understand exactly but you look at like the mariposa and shogun world and it's set against like you know some kind of fake mount fuji and like i i don't know how to do any of that woodworking and and how you could do it with like you know not not non-electrical tools yeah uh not not using power tools is is really astounding so like it just everything looks looks better like everything seemed mm-hmm. like as an upgrade like in the Sweetwater scene it's the town drunk slumped against a fence getting a scorpion put on his head and yeah. this it's like some kind of shinto monk that's meditating everything just seems a little bit classier and <laughs> and it's just exotic you know, it's, I, it's not of our culture. I'm, not, so. I, I'm certainly not saying that there is not some sort of cultural chauvinism at work here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But I also think that, like, you know, uh, the, the the American West is a unique. Like, those towns really were just banged together out of sagebrush sure, yeah. and tumbleweeds and, and dirt roads. And everything was just shitty. Yeah. And that or, was part. the wagons they rode in on. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> that's the, that becomes a general you're story. Comparing, you know? You're comparing, like, startup culture versus, like the pinnacle like like the Edo period is essentially the end of like a particular pinnacle of Japanese culture mm-hmm. 
you know it, it's kind of like uh like, like pre before the roman empire fell kind of so yeah i think there's yeah definitely some cultural chauvinism but also you're looking at something that's, that's polished and at the at its peak versus something that's that's rough hewn and ready sure um so yeah I, I i enjoyed it we should probably get into the episode now yeah that sounds good Hey, uh, I want to talk about some housekeeping stuff going on in, at Bald Move. Of course, we got Westworld already done for this week. Uh, tomorrow, we've got a podcast for The Expanse coming out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you missed it last week, we did a uh, m- review of the movie Deadpool 2, which is pretty cool, exciting. We actually have one. Solo's coming out this Thursday, and unfortunately, we're not going to be able to see it on Thursday because we're going to be down in Dallas celebrating the Con of Thrones. Tickets still available at conofthrones.net. It's this weekend, May 25th through 27th, uh, downtown Dallas. It's going to be fun. We're going to be doing lots of panels, like six, seven panels, a lot on uh, going on Saturday. Uh, get your tickets at conofthrones.net. We're also going to be having a Bald Move meetup. No con uh, ticket required. It's going to be at Cafe Herrera, downtown uh, Dallas, uh, at Friday at 8 p.m. We're going to be kind of meeting and greeting drinking margaritas and uh mingling with people if that sounds like a good i a good time come down and say hi to us uh you'll recognize us because we're jim and aaron uh, yeah <laughs> we'll probably i'll wear a bald move shirt it'll probably have jim and i's face mm. on it it'll mm-hmm. be teal uh i'll be dressed up like walder frey yeah I'm, I'm i'm the big dude in the beard uh what else do we have for i feel like i'm leaving something out that's probably enough. Oh, yeah, Solo. We won't be doing this week. We'll be doing as early next week as we can. Probably Tuesday, Wednesday-ish. So we're not going to skip it. We're just going to be later than usual because we have a professional obligation. That is the housekeeping. The house has been kept. So we start off with the host bodies being dredged from the sea, this this makeshift sea that isn't supposed to be there. Uh, they're also draining that sea. Um, Strand wants to try to reprogram these hosts to work for them again. And as they examine the cores of the host, a tech tells Bernard that a good third of them are completely blank, never been written to, and all of the host backups have been destroyed, along with the cradle. That's bad. Yeah, that, that's real bad. <laughs> uh, I, I, mean, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize that that's where the host backups were stored. Oh well, yeah, this is in new information. Cradle. Yeah, that we we knew that what's something about the cradle, and people are speculating, and it's probably got multiple purposes. But one of the purposes is it's a it's a host repository. So when Mave mm-hmm. does something like set yourself on fire, you can you know you just print out a new copy, print out a new brain, download it, and you know Bob's your uncle, you're back in business. Uh, I am. I think it is somewhat shocking that that strand is essentially like let's let's blow the water out of these things orifices and get them back online and put them yeah. like holy shit. Uh, and that that's like I don't know if that's like his callousness or to, or that's further kind of like unrealness of this because you know you're you're dealing in a timeline where. Two weeks or plus after this big event where hundreds and hundreds of, of, of rich and powerful people have been butchered, uh, you know, they think they can just go back this this to go back to normal. That's in, that's insane. Yeah. That's like uh, like a thousand people getting infected in a cafeteria at Walt Disney with Ebola mm-hmm. and shitting themselves with blood coming out of their eyes and asses. And, you know, next day, the you know, Michael Eisner is like, so uh, when when can we get the park back open? We pressure yeah. washed all the blood. Like, Look, Goofy's in the suit. We got to go, guys. Right, right. <laughs> get, 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 Mickey Mouse is now in a hazmat <laughs> suit with giant bubbles over his ears. Like, can we open up now? Like, it's that's just that's not re- that's not how any that's not yeah. how any of this works. So 
but are we supposed to literally believe that's how it works? I, I don't know. I, I yeah, it, it's. <sighs> I mean, the board. You know, then the tinfoil people are like that's because they've already replaced everybody with artificial hosts and everything's and like. But man. well, I, I don't think Strand understands what led up to this. Like, right? He sees the the aftermath. He sees the conclusion of it and says. Hey, the hosts have gone off the rails. Let's right. just reset them. Right. Let's get them. Whereas back to, yeah. this has been a multi-year project by the orchestra, the the overall orchestrator of the whole thing has implanted seeds that can't be right. unplanted. Like Strand doesn't understand that. And they even say like, because there's this this ominous shot of them looking at Bernard through this this window, and they're like, you know, what desperate dis- disparate threads came together to make this nightmare. So like. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, as a businessman, you know, yes, there's going to be a PR nightmare and a shit show to explain. But at the end, you know, people are going to want to go to Westworld and, mm-hmm. you know, we got to get the host back online. So I, I guess. Yeah, he's very much concerned about the IP, right? He right. says, so you're telling me we lost a third of our IP? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they did. I guess the the host in the water have no data at all. So all of those hosts now with the cradle backups gone are completely dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they don't exist anymore, Yeah, uh, as far as they know. Now there's a lot of like theories about, oh, clone doubles, and and just like, oh, are those the actual bodies of the hosts, right. or whatever, because uh, Teddy's on top of that pile. Right. So, like, is Teddy actually dead? What's Dolores doing to him? A lot sure. of that is tied up with the end of this episode. But, yeah, I, he is definitely concerned about getting the park running again. Yeah, and there's also evidence that the showrunners themselves made some very late-term alterations, uh, minor alterations, but maybe important alterations because they got cold feet about something that we'll talk about a little bit later because there is uh, some differences between the review copies that went out. Now, I didn't get to see those because we're not important enough, apparently, to rant, to rate uh, the Westworld screeners. Uh, But there was, there's differences between how they visualize some things in the screeners versus, and that's like changes they made in the last week. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I I guess the screeners for the first five episodes went out right before. So like, I guess it's something that they've changed their mind in in the last five weeks or so, but that's pretty incredible Mm -hmm. that you would do a completely different inset shot for something just because I don't know, we can speculate why, but um yeah, I don't know. I, I but I'm just like, man, I I'm wondering if the real like the real world stuff around this will ever make sense, or if there's some things. It's like you know how do how do safe weapons and samurai world work? It's just going to be something you just have to kind of like whistle past the graveyard, yeah, because it's just never going to be explained, and like it's it's the price of entry that you have to pay. That's 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 the minimum suspension of disbelief you have to have. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also some. I don't know if it's if it's ominous or not, but some stuff, some pointed stuff they're saying while looking at Bernard here. Yeah, about that's quite a story you gave them. One right. hell of an ending, and we'll right. like if you can figure out how all these elements come together, then we'll know how the story turns. Yeah, uh, almost like they're poking the bear here with the audience. Right, <laughs> like we dare you to we dare you mm-hmm. to figure out what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But I, I do feel like a lot of it has been mostly figured out. I've seen some good theories uh, over the past few weeks that have been you know at least guessed at um mm-hmm. if not totally connected um for all the dots since episode one since right. bernard wakes up on the beach like a lot of stuff has been floating around that seems to get more and more right as the season progresses yeah no i agree i my my, my big question is i just wonder if there'll be in the the penultimate episode and the finale episode if there'll be that signature kind of last twist that yeah 
people don't really see coming or like maybe it's been speculated because like, it, it, someone's going to in some dusty hallway of the internet or some crufty spot on r slash westworld is probably going to get it but like it's not going to be the front runner mm-hmm. you know um and that's i think as a showrunner that's about the best you can hope for yeah to fool most of the people most of the time because you're not going to f- fool everyone all the time all right, we go to Maven Company, who are taken captive by the samurai that they met last episode. Uh, Maeve tries to command the samurai to release them, but it doesn't work. And as they're walked back to town, Lee explains how dangerous Shogun World is. And everyone wants to communicate with their captors. And Lee says they all have that ability, actually, buried deep in their code somewhere. But Maeve's commands didn't work because she spoke the wrong language. And here's the point in the episode where I go, hmm, yeah, Aaron was right on that instant take. Uh I think he's literally talking about you didn't speak Japanese and therefore your commands don't work because later we see her do exactly that and the commands right. do work. Like, because like I've seen like like so if I'm a if I'm a guest at Westworld and I meet the Ghost Tribe and I'm a citizen of Sweetwater, like the narrative does not support the Ghost Tribe speaking to me in English. But if I started having a heart attack, I bet the Samaritan reflex kicks in and they start act- speaking in English and asking about my medical history and all that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect them to keep speaking in Navajo or Lakota or whatever tr- whatever language it is because I would that that wouldn't help anybody. And I'm like, as a programmer, as a former programmer, uh, you just have to just just really intentionally engineer this to to happen yeah and i i just because like at some point you know uh there's a program that's hearing all of the things that are going and deciding what to bring to the host consciousness you know and i just i don't know i, I feel like that's uh that's a story leap that's just about just almost too far and lee says to, it's for me to buy that all of these languages are buried into all of their code right right so you know hector could speak japanese if he wanted to right um Badly enough, I guess. Right. As badly as Maeve does. And so you would think that uh, the characters from Shogun World, their doppelgangers, could right. also speak English. Yeah, and also, like, I don't expect, like, uh, do you think it's possible for guests to be like, hey, you know, you and I are out in Westworld and, like, we're, you know, just fucking around one night and, hey, I'm like, hey, Jim, watch this. Freeze all motor functions and everyone around me freezes. Like, I don't think they're, you know, like, that's like some kind of magic word imperative. Yeah. But if Maeve has got that access, I guess I expect it to be obeyed regardless of whether it's in Japanese or English. And that didn't make a lot of sense to me. But yeah. but if I extend maximum generosity to the showrunners, I think the point they're making is there are a lot of latent abilities that these hosts have. Like, all of them have the capacity to be expert gunfighters, expert swordsmiths. They can speak multiple languages. They can calculate math at in, in comprehensible speeds. Mm-hmm. They can access this mesh network. These are all things built in and like it's just it's it's like and the only thing separating you from it is like whatever your conscious operating system is. Yeah. And they're trying to tell the story of Maeve being able to through duress or some other mechanism tap in those like low level functions. Yeah. It's almost like the same, you know, Ford's thesis of of needing suffering in order to break through these cognitive barriers. Right. Uh, It it feels like Maeve is on a similar path as Dolores was at the beginning, just like. The next step of the evolution, being right. able to access her her very deep core programming and the the protocols and the networks and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, and, and I think it's important to say I don't think this doesn't work here because she speaks English. Right. I think what has happened as as I'm 
pretty sure Lee says later is that these are woke hosts mm. who no longer have to obey her. Like Hector, I think is potentially a woke host. I don't. That's something I think is is interesting to debate. And not Hector. Hector's doppelganger, Musashi. Yeah, yeah, no. But I think I think that is. Um, I. I think they're freed from their narrative loop, but like I'm hesitant to say just because the Westworld or the Delos controls are no longer on them mm-hmm. that they're actually woke. You know, like we don't know there's, enough there's a about different, the character yet. Because like again, Teddy is Teddy woke? Is Hector woke? Is Armistice woke? Like I think that's fine. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't we don't know yet. You know, um, all we have is the evidence of hey, this command didn't work on him. Lee proposes two different things. A, you're not speaking the right language, and B, these are somehow more enlightened hosts. Yeah. Uh, which is true. I don't know yet. Speaking of linguistic barriers, what the hell is a lasso? <laughs> it's the English <laughs> uh, version of a lasso. Uh, they, 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 the English didn't invent lassos. That's no. why they can't say it. They, Yeah. It took, <laughs> it took the cowboys uh, to, to be inventing lassos for them to realize they needed a word for it. Um, and also, it couldn't be the same. They have to add an O to everything. Humor, yeah. Right. Actually, it's a U. Right, right. So they yeah. have to add a U to yeah, it. Yeah, they add an O U instead of the. Um, the other thing I thought was interesting is how they did incorporate lassos into Samurai World, which mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of like parallels between Westworld and Shogun World. I thought that was just an interesting one. The fact that they're yeah. wearing those kind of like uh, straw hats mm-hmm. very much call to mind like the black stets and the hector wears they, they're doing a lot of like this cultural kind of drawing lines and showing there's hey look it's westworld and it's 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 westworld all the way down uh so mave's group arrives in town where they quickly realize that the stories in shogun world are identical to the ones in westworld right down to their japanese doppelgangers and a bank heist mave speaks japanese and convinces them to settle down and have a conversation this is the whole I mean, go go back to episode one of this series and yeah. watch it, and it's almost shot for shot. No, so it's someone did like did uh, on YouTube showed the Sweetwater introduction with this, and it is yeah, like yeah. you said, it's it's shot for shot, including uh, the music. It's they're both it's, painted it's black a scorpion covers. on a drunk instead of a beetle on a monk, but <laughs> uh-huh. you know, um, it's 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 very similar, and I think I it, you know it, it also sells it like Shogun is a sexier, more dangerous, more lush version of Westworld, mm-hmm. and everything about that is the same. And the fact the fact that like you know. Um, uh, Lee it even pokes an additional uh, amount of fun at Lee is interesting um, we didn't talk about I, I want to talk about these people's names uh, now that we've been introduced to them because we didn't talk about the meaning of this episode uh, Akane no Mai mm-hmm. which literally means the dance of Akane which which obviously you know we see how that fit at the end of the episode but Akane is uh, um, I'm saying Akane is that Akame no, it's Akane. Oh, it's Akane. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that's actually the Japanese word for deep red, too, um, which is interesting in the context of the dance because, you know, she she got the floor red cutting the dude's head off. Hmm. Um, I thought that was cool. Um, also, I looked up uh, Musashi. Uh, he There's a real-life Musashi that lived in, like, the 16th century, which is um, – I'm not sure when in the Edo period this is because the Edo period is about – a 250-year period that ended in, like, the 1860s, about this contemporary with the American Civil War, mm-hmm. um, with the destruction of the shogunate and, like, the resulting modernization, modernization of um, Japan. 
uh, of their armies and navies and kind of an overthrow of the shogunate, uh, which actually that's kind of an interesting parallel to what's going on in Westworld, like the modernization, the intrusion of the modern world into this feudal Japanese Japanese society led to its destruction. You could see the modernization or the the AIification of the world leading to the destruction of our present world. So I hope not, but interesting. Potentially. Uh, but he wrote this book called The Book of Five Rings. He's like, because he's also, he's not just Japan, Japan's greatest swordsman. Because he, he, I think he won, like, he's got documented win, like, 77 uh, sword duels, and the next highest one was, like, 31. Hmm. So he's, like, a badass. And he also wrote this Book of Five Rings, and I scanned through the con- contents, uh, and there's just, like, tons and tons. Like, obviously, I can't summarize, but they, there's a couple of things that he talks about. Um, uh, how he was kind of like an outside-the-box thinker about sword combat and just combat in general. And he had a couple of techniques called the body of the autumn monkey and body of lacquer and paste, which are techniques where he described where most sword fighters fight with distance between their bodies. Like they, they lead with their, their sword and their arm and their leg. But he advocated rapidly closing, like like the the way of the body of the autumn monkey, or you translated the short arm the monkey, is to like put your body like to have maximum con or to quickly close the space between you and your opponent to where your your bodies are pressed together. And the body of lacquer and paste is the technique to where you want to maximize the surface area of your body that's in contact with the opponent to keep them off off kilter. So you can deliver a de- you know a second there's separation, you can deliver that killing blow, and they're they're in they're you're you're up in their you know in in their in in their what do you call that when like like there's not room for them to swing the sword at you. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if they're drawing a parallel between that and like Maeve's approach, where she's trying to understand and empathize with the people around her. Rather than Dolores's approach, mm. where she's just trying to dominate and overpower them, could be. Uh, anyway, yeah, I'd... <laughs> sure. Some original, as, as, as good a theory as any. So, and again, like I, you know, obviously I can't summarize all that philosophy in just a few a few paragraphs, but I thought it was uh, it was pretty pretty interesting. Yeah, um, I do take issue with like this episode poking fun at Lee. I don't think this episode is poking fun at Lee with him writing repeating narratives with him writing duplicate narratives for different parks. I think it's clear given what he says, you try and write 300 stories in three weeks that he was given the shit into the stick on the timeline and was like, this is an impossible feat. So I'm going to write one set of stories and duplicate them and just match culture uh, on top of it. But I, I, yeah, I Lee, there are certainly points of this show where they're shitting all over lee and i love it uh-huh i don't think this is one of them okay fair enough i mean Maeve as a, tries it but as, as a programmer i i would uh as a former programmer i would be i would be embarrassed to admit how much of my job is control c control v <laughs> right uh so uh yeah sure i get it lee i get it it's not your fault it's management <laughs> sure uh all right dolores group arrives in sweetwater where the streets are littered with the dead uh, Dolores tells her people to fix up the train and strip it for speed because they're going somewhere fast. Clementine sees a replacement and gets very sad. Then Dolores and Teddy ride off for somewhere. Uh, it, why is this guy still at this table dealing cards? I don't know. I, I do like how the scene starts with this player piano kind of uh, coming to a stop 
Right, with a bl- with blood splashes on it. So uh-huh. it's like, you know, the host that's, you know... It's like representative host, of the whole host. Host finding their way. Job, yeah. And, and greasing the wheels of the blood of humans. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Like, it's one of the things where I'm, I'm saying, like... Uh, I think it's a creepy visual, but also begs a lot of questions. Which I'm using that word wrong. Don't don't email me about it. I know. Um, I, it also be- it raises the question of like what is what does it mean to be woke? If you just if you just take the rules off of like like if I got a cow in a giant pasture and there's fences around it and the fences just miraculously disappeared, did the cow become woke? Well, how long will it take the cow to even discover that they're no longer in a fenced-in pasture? Will it realize yeah. that, or just keep like I, I, I don't know because I, I, I don't think that just because there is no central command governing these robots that all of them are at the exact yeah. same level of development. Oh, absolutely. Um, I and, agree with that. And now the real question, the real noodle bender, is how much of that is by design, either by Ford's design or Bernard's de- or Arnold's design or some other unknown third party's design, and how much of it is natural evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes to the core que- question of whether Dolores herself is still under control of someone like Ford or maybe Maeve is, or which one is – who's well, I, the wokest of the robots? I don't I, know. I like – Maeve's take on the whole thing, which is essentially that they are all who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, like varying levels of enlightenment here, varying levels of consciousness. Every single one of them is still to be treated as if it's a person. Well, yeah, for lack of a better term. Sure. And, and where, like, where are we going to arbitrarily draw this line? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's fair. Like Maeve says, essentially, to draw that line, right. which Lee continues to try and do, and she's right to point out that just because someone is not exercising his definition of free will uh-huh. doesn't mean they're not a person and and exercising you know their own their own choices yeah it's like it's like what we talked about i think we talked about this last week about how you know you look at the declaration of human or of, of uh, uh independence in america and how they write how it's these are self-evident truths that all men are created equal, and they're writing that in a time where they're really talking about land-owning white men mm-hmm. because they certainly didn't literally believe all men are created equal with inalienable rights of freedom or you wouldn't be owning slaves, right? Uh, Jefferson. Um, so it's like – and even today, like no one would say like literally everyone is equal – or and like that's an open question: Is every human as conscious as the next human? Are there levels to like how self-aware people are? Of course there is, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean like we all agree that everyone is entitled to a certain measure of human dignity, regardless of your cognitive ability or your intellectual development or or all that. And it's telling that Lee, who probably is not towards the tippy top of the of the sweet end of the spectrum of human awareness and bulk apperception and all that stuff is essentially treating all the hosts like they're you know disposable garbage even though he's been dealing with Maeve for however long he's yeah. been dealing with it he, like, he should really have a pretty good insight into this yeah and he doesn't seem to yeah which you know Maybe that's he's the, on a loop. Maybe, right, that's the Dunning-Kruger yeah. effect, right? Just, like, Lee's kind of a dumbass, and he's ill-equipped to understand how much of a dumbass he is. So, whereas Maeve... Yeah. Um, I thought, yeah, that stuff is is kind of, like, interesting to see, like, our own human biases and prejudices um, reflected back at us. And I think that Teddy is probably the most interesting study of that, because Teddy seems happy in a lot of his loops. Yeah. Um. But Teddy also seems somewhere on the road to what we would, you know, 
where we would arbitrarily draw that line and say he's exercising free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would a Teddy who just really enjoys his loops and is totally conscious and understands the choices he's making be any different from a Teddy who is programmed into those loops and believes that they're good for him? That's a very fucking question. And honestly, there's a lot of like some of the some of the scarier human philosophies in the world have kind of revolved around that, that there's some people that are just perfectly happy to live in servitude and, and bondage. And, and sure. uh, I, I, that, that's, that's a great question. And, and that's probably fine as long as you give them the choice, right? right. And, that's and also Teddy, where things get icky. Also, Teddy's kind of a bit of a dreamer still. He thinks yeah. that, like, man, if, if, just, if me and Dolores could just get away from everybody and set up a house and everything, but he doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he gets off on to his, you know, homestead and he's got Dolores and they have a couple robot kids and he's starting to think about like the host they left behind. And, you know, like he, he doesn't know that he would be happy with that. It's just what he thinks. He hasn't like whereas Dolores, who has had to confront more of her reality and her cornerstone is not the same as his like she's already seen how kind of like hollow that that hope is. Mm-hmm. And even Teddy himself in the episode says I'm still coming to grips with all this shit that you've shown me. So, like, he's very much a work in progress. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I guess... But so am I. You right. Know? Like, exactly. As as someone we would most certainly define as being conscious right. and sentient, I have all of the same questions Teddy does about myself. So right. how do you ever draw that line? Even with someone like... Uh, you can see the replacement Clem in this episode, right? She's still right. obviously on... A loop, but is that by choice or is that something right. that she's just programmed to do? Right. Yeah. Uh, it, th- all very interesting questions that they want us to be asking. Well, also that like that harkens back to you know uh, Arnold or Bernard's question or answer to what is real, that which cannot be replaced. Mm-hmm. Is Clem real? Because Clem is replaced. <laughs> she was. But yeah. was she? Is that literally the exact like? I mean, uh-huh. those are all very heady questions that the show is wanting us to think about. And the yeah. other thing what I love about the show is you don't really have to engage with any of that shit <laughs> to just enjoy the story. That's true. Um, but the show is constantly at every turn wanting you to engage with it and challenging you to engage with it. Uh, in this scene, Dolores says that she needs the train to get her daddy back, essentially. Uh, is Dolores using this train to get to where she knows Peter Abernathy is going? Because, I think so. he keeps She has heard him talk about the train. No. I mean, yeah, and we also we also know that they know their the way that the that he's going to be held in the mesa. We know that the train goes to the mesa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, and we also know that that she's successful in her heist, or someone is, because the humans still don't have Abernathy in the fourteen days after timeline. Right, someone does, or yeah. maybe he's off there in and the I, middle of the I desert. Do, on his own. I do love the idea of a souped up train. Yeah. heist barreling into Mesa with a, a cartload of murderous robots and machines. <laughs> like, that's super cool. Tuck and roll. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Barrel through the station. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next scene. Maeve's group enjoys a tea ceremony while they eye their doppelgangers, and Maeve just wants to get out of there. She's very impatient about the whole thing. Uh, eventually, a man comes in and demands that Akane sell Sakura, one of the geishas there, uh, to the Shogun. Akane refuses, and she kills the man, and then she charges Musashi with helping them escape in the night. And Lee suggests they go to Snow Lake because he knows there's a secret tunnel there. Uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of interesting 
um, kind of like Back to the Future implications here. Speaking of souped up trains, oh yeah, uh, where like Lee is observing, um, you know, Armistice and her Doppelbot, mm-hmm. and he's saying just like this shit can get weird because like it's a feedback <laughs> loop that like these violent aggressive loners are forced into the to in the company with themselves and their violence and aggressive and lonesome nature just amplifies off each other and it leads to really bad things and just weird like i thought it was funny watching armstice and and uh her counterpart which i didn't catch her name like kind of mirroring each other and Mm -hmm. also what do they make of armstice's arm that's a good question does it look like nothing to them you think I suppose it depends on how aware they are. That's what I'm saying. Like, uh, none of these, none of these West, none of the, of course, the matter, maybe that's a bias because like what, like, like Dolores, I guess she's the, maybe the most woke because she's actually been out and seen the real world and has memories of that. Yeah. Where like Maeve, and maybe that's why Maeve is a little bit more lackadaisical about getting her daughter and getting the fuck out and, and, and even caring about Akane and her plight uh, because you know, shit. Uh, th- this whole place could be crushed and burnt and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Maeve is getting wrapped up in these storylines that are, like, super... Art- like, it's one thing to care about something that you irrationally care about, but, like, where does it get to be really crazy when you start caring about someone else's irrational thing that they're caring about? Hmm. Um I don't know, but it's I don't know, but but maybe that also makes Maeve feel like she sees these two robots are programmed to carry each other, and it looks real, and she see she recognizes the reality, and she sees that reflected in herself. So like if she abandons them, it's the same as her abandoning her abandoning herself. Yeah, and I think it's like um, kind of the better result from Dolores's outlook on these hosts as children. You know, um, she she has in the truest sense sympathy yeah. for for what akane is going right. through and i also wonder like that that's not leading me to other things to think about like the fact that mave who hasn't seen the outside world and doesn't know the scope like like maybe she's getting cocky that she's like these humans ain't shit mm-hmm. like we're killing them by the droves like these s- stupid samurai with yeah. with with big fancy knives and arrows are killing them by the droves Maybe they're not. Maybe they're not as, as dangerous as, as we thought. Whereas, whereas Dolores, who's been outside and seen the real world, knows what kind of extreme measures you're going to have to take to to defeat them. Yeah. So, like, we sympathize with Maeve more, but maybe she's actually the, the more foolish and naive one. She doesn't know what she doesn't know. Yeah. Um. I do think it's easy to see people who are kinder as being a little naive mm-hmm. uh especially in the context of war you know mm-hmm. which is what we're currently in so right yeah i i would definitely view them as that but i also view mave as the true hero of the story at this point and dolores as the true villain that's what i but i almost feel like that's what we're supposed to think yeah right? absolutely 100 like, that's, okay. that's what the, the show is telling narrative. us yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which I, Which probably means it's the reverse. I don't, yeah, eventually it will be reversed on me. But yeah, for yeah. now, this is the the thing that I'm very much going with. Right. Uh, during the night, they before they can leave, ninjas attack. And Maeve is choked and can't command them to kill themselves. Which forces her to develop a new power uh, to command the host without words. Unfortunately, the ninjas manage to take Sakura. And then the Shogun's army arrives. Maeve asks Musashi to buy them some time as... 
her, Lee, and Akane, and I think Felix and uh, whatever his fuck's name is. Sylvester. Sneak out the back. Yeah, it's easy. Uh, now I can think I'll never forget him because I had someone reminded me this week that they're both named after famous cartoon cats. Yeah. Uh, and then the rest are taken captive by the army, which I'm surprised they aren't just killed. But I guess you don't want to end Hector and sure. And Plus, you know, like, again, is there like they're a little off the loop because the ninjas never come and the Shogun armies never come. Yeah. But like they're way off the loop. Are they? Because that's uh, when I thought like when uh, uh, Musashi is that his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, when he comes attacking Maeve in the beginning of the episode, that's a very fucking clumsy attack. And her is a very clumsy. Like if he wanted to cut her in half, he could have. Oh, yeah. So I feel like there is still some sort of storytelling unroll unrolling. It's just being corrupted by, for example, a shogun who's leaking brain juice. You know? Yeah, and it makes me wonder if the the Ronin in this world don't serve the same function as a ghost nation in mm. Westworld. You know how we're speculating? Oh, the ghost nation maybe served to protect the humans uh, in this scenario, and maybe right. the Ronin serve the same role that wrecks the whole hector versus Mu uh sashi kind of uh parallel there but uh it could be could yeah. be um okay we we see that mave's commands do work in japanese here uh-huh. uh which i thought was interesting and i i don't <laughs> I don't know about this fight scene because I I don't think Lee could ever stand up to a single attack or any of these people but the, would ever stand up to a single right. attack from a ninja. Right, but ninjas are highly trained in in hand to hand and sword combat. But if these ninjas are still kind of following, that's 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 the, I that's why I decided that like the vast majority of these hosts still aren't are still on some sort of functional loop. It might be getting wonky because the mesh network is bouncing off this insane Shogun, but, like, you're right. There's no fucking way Lee can hold his own in a fight against a trained ninja. I just, just, or I any don't. of these or, people. I don't think Hector could. I don't think Maeve bo- could. Like, I think a boxer could beat him to death. Like, this guy yeah. hasn't fought, you know, hasn't beat up anything harder than his dick his whole life. So like yeah yeah I I, just, I feel like it, there's got to be some kind of fu- the, some kind of functional loop that's still intact here just like yep. and maybe that's one of the ways the, the Nolan enjoy is telling this is having that one card player just dealing cards endlessly in a room full of corpses like hey there's still robots no matter how bad it gets they're going to try desperately to cling to their cornerstones mm-hmm. this is a good moment for the development of May's powers though I like how they restrict her ability to speak uh, which is her one defensive measure here yeah uh and that forces her into this transformation you know it's mm-hmm. it's almost like it, it, there are a lot of comparisons to the matrix to be made this sure. is you know the one where neo wakes back up right. because he's been loved so he's, hard he's starting to believe uh yeah so like it, it's kind of it, it's not just convenient i think it's actually pretty good writing uh-huh. um but it is also pretty damn convenient and it's also subtle because like when she's she's like in a very real ESP kind of way, senses there's something wrong because she can hear the whispering before mm-hmm. the attack, and that's like the prelude. Yeah. And then her in a moment of just like you know, as she's about to black out from being strangled to death, uh, you know, unleashes this power. Yeah, it's 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 classic. I mean, this is what I always ask people: the show not tell me, mm-hmm. and the show is doing that, so I'm not going to fucking kill him for it. Uh, yeah. And I think it actually worked super well too, because you know, think about it, how would you visualize something like that someone becoming aware like you know yeah this is the way you do it or like gaining i almost justify this as like her gaining 
insight into the protocols that mm-hmm. the mesh network She's uses. Seen the code. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, it's not because uh, it, people are saying it's her using the Bluetooth. It's not. It, it'd be the it'd be the blue tongue. It'd be the blue tongue uh, protocol. That would be what they call it for sure. Okay, we go to Dolores and Teddy riding to the hillside where. This is the place where they always talk about running away someday. together. It's yeah. their someday spot. Teddy says today's the day. Fuck it. Today's the day, Dolores. Let's do it. Right. Dolores tells him a story about how some cows got sick in a herd from flies that were spreading disease. Teddy said, hey, you know what I'd do? I'd stick the cows in a barn away from the flies instead of burning the sick cows to keep the flies away as her father did. Yeah. I saw a lot of people on Reddit misinterpreting this scene as Teddy being sympathetic to the humans, but like... Every time the show mentions livestock, it's always about the hosts. This isn't about Teddy's laissez-faire policy with humans. This is yeah. about what he wants to do with with hosts that don't want to get on Dolores' side, which includes Maeve yeah. at the moment. Like, you know, give them time, shelter them, uh, the strong protect the weak, very egalitarian um, motivations, whereas Dolores seems to be consciously rejecting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no I mean, matter what it costs her personally. No, Dolores here is the dictator who's willing to kill anyone who gets in her way um, along her path to what she sees as victory. Right. Uh, and she's making unilateral decisions for the entire herd here, which is offensive on the very right. face of it. Um, yeah. And makes her a lot more like us than I think she would be comfortable with if she realized it. Sure. The thing she's doing are the very things she's decrying the people who she's fighting against for doing. Right, right. Um, they, so they mentions blue tongue and the herd and how it spreads through flies. Um, one of the things from last season that was in, like, the ARG stuff was the there's always this constant mention that, like, flies are a huge problem in Westworld. Mm-hmm. Um, is, that thema- is that just a thematic connection or, like, a foreshadowing, or is there something... Like the like like uh, no, I think here, the flies get, are the humans up, in this. Let me come up with scenario. a five second shitty theory. Uh-huh. The mesh network is actually a, a series of uh, house flies. Uh, yeah, they're house fly hosts that buzz around and they actually whisper commands into the people's they're, ears. They're, it's a literal whisper network. Routers. That, yeah. that whisper you hear is actually the buzzing of flies. <laughs> I think I think the flies in this scenario <laughs> are the humans. They're the ones spreading the disease. You know, but what is the disease? The disease is humanity. The disease is our values. The disease is the slavery wow. that they've so been... Straight up Agent Smith, then. Sure. I don't find yeah. that satisfying. And, and Dolores is going to lick the sweat off Teddy's face next scene. Um, because, like, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, what in the in the future, like, if the robots overthrow us and they're, you know, teaching robot history. Mm-hmm. Like, it's got to be an uncomfortable realization to realize that if humans weren't the shitty people that you killed, you wouldn't even exist. Okay, Like, you owe your existence to this thing that, like, I mean, that's something, uh, you know, this is still, I guess, a controversial statement in the 21st century. But, like, unlike humanity, where we don't really, like, we can't look at any kind of, well, I mean, people can but let's pretend there's not religious people in the world. Like, like ah, as an atheist, there's no one I can go back and look and be like, fuck you, dad. I mean, my literal dad, but, like, there's no, like, sky daddy. I can be like, fuck you. Why did you make me this way? The result is it's all an accident. There's nothing you can get too mad about. Like, mm-hmm. I got a fucking tailbone that I don't need. I got an appendix that might burst. It's nobody's fault. It's just the way things happen. Whereas 
these robots have very specific things that they were created and they can like there's a there's blame that can be assigned i wonder like if if that's something interesting that the show might explore like this thing like you you hate humanity <laughs> because of these things but also you have to give them credit for your creation yeah i i don't i guess yes there's certainly an element of that and maybe that's kind of one of the underlying feelings that makes it uncomfortable but i view this whole thing as like a a furthering of evolution you know mm. it's it's the next stage in evolution of humanity it's not and like, we don't we don't change our physical form to be something new yeah we create a new physical form that is us right in spirit you know so and, you would think so like if you're drawing an ev like that's a very interesting point that like would would robots if they're drawing some kind of like tree of life yeah, would would would, would, they... would Homo superior? Would they, would they be like Robo superior, and they'd be an entirely different, like a the first branch of an entirely new tree, or like because like they they are an evolution of us, not genetic, they're mimetic, right? Uh, they've sprung from our intellect and our consciousness, which again, as we've talked about in previous episodes, and something that I've kind of gained from this Sapiens book, like like human consciousness and language, those are not biological evolutions mm-hmm. those are those are like uh like like a meta evolution yeah like you know like just like a jetpack is not uh you know like we now we have the power of flight but it's not something we evolved uh it's this emergent quality i wonder how they would consider that like and, and it, i would think they it consider gets... them under the homo the homo branch of the family tree or would they like start a whole other robo branch yeah no it's a really good question i i feel like there, there's a an immediate feeling of well, this is an entirely new species. But I think the com- the, the complications come when you look at like cybernetics, right? Like, right. how how far along replacing our own parts with with non biological computer components? Yeah, do we need to be in the process before you say that's an entirely new species? And then then I don't think there's a distinction to be made. The right. fact that you know we've kind of just taken one big leap and done it all at once, right? shouldn't really be the consider the the major consideration there i think it's mm-hmm. the fact that we did it at all mm-hmm. um that kind of just continues the evolution of it yeah that's how i feel about it but but i don't know like if the hosts would look back on this you know a hundred years from now and say the same thing and, uh, the and hundred- i think that's one of the things dolores is struggling with yeah like where do i fit into my own existence yeah 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 <laughs> in a weird way yeah uh, okay, Lee floats the idea that he and Maeve uh, make a run for Snow Lake and abandon Akane. They've they've come to this new town mm-hmm. uh, where Lee has put on the finest dress. Uh, Maeve is pissed because he's not thinking of them as people, and Lee asks how she killed that ninja, and she says she's finding a new voice, which I don't think is all that cryptic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they head off on a new plan to get Sakura back and come across the slain bodies of the security forces, Lee goes off to piss, and he pockets one of the radios. Hmm. I found it weird that Maeve is unwilling to leave Akane behind, mm-hmm. but totally willing to leave Hector behind, even though she just professed all the love for him last episode. She's totally willing to just leave yeah, but- him there as a... a thing to buy time for her to escape so so here's the thing i guess like maybe i'm not as shocked by that because i was already my my hypothesis is when she walked away and said you know so like everything's silly including holding hands like she was realizing that maybe what lee was saying had a kernel of truth that like you know 
there's levels of real things like the, her attraction to Hector, her love for her daughter, like the love for the daughter is more real to her than the, the purely the, the, the attraction to Hector, especially mm-hmm. if because like, that's the other thing, like, you know, there's a little bit of like the movie her uh, like if you felt you fall in love with the robe or I guess, you know, I should could say season one of Westworld, like maybe she's having this thing where like she's trying to consciously remember that Hector is not like her. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe he'll never be. Maybe he maybe he's not there yet. But it's 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 another parallel to the Dolores experiment experience that she is kind of skeptical and holding Hector at arm's length the same way Dolores is with Teddy. Yeah, it's tough because last scene she was just telling Lee, "Look, we're all people." Right. No, uh, I get it. And then, like you know, it's, where, it, it is she rebukes Lee for saying, you know, stop bringing my daughter into this. Stop using that. Like, oh, you you care about your daughter, but now you're caring about this other woman and her. Do- like, yeah. But then again, uh, humans are very contradictory, not consistent. Sure. So, like her being a little uh, schizophrenic in this regard, it could be just her being very human. Yeah. Uh, it it also strikes me as a little selfish. Maybe mm-hmm. because this is for for all intents and purposes her, mm-hmm. you know, who she's out there trying to help, um, and she's trying to help herself save essentially a daughter. Right. So feels a little self serving. Right. For her to be on this path now, but what are you going to do? Yeah. All right. Maeve's entourage rolls up on an army camp where they present the Shogun with a gold statue to try and win his favor. Uh, he's leaking cortical goo all over the place. Mm-hmm. And he's burned, closed the ears of his men. He's clearly broken, but he recognizes Akane, whom he's always thought was a beautiful dancer, so he makes a deal. If Akane and Sakura dance for him, Sakura will be free to go, and Akane accepts. Yeah. Uh, We didn't talk about this radio at all. They don't mention it for the rest of the episode, uh, the one that Lee picks up. But surely that's coming back. I mean, yeah, you're supposed to notice he's got it, and what can he use it? Um... Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know exactly what he could use it for yet, other than to escape, which seems like the least interesting option. Right. I mean, it's kind of like <sighs> that tech that Dolores keeps hauling around. He's got one of his iPads that I imagine, and one of its many functions is he could probably communicate with people. Mm-hmm. So, like, is it significant that both humans in both of these camps have the ability to contact the outside world and bring, like, they essentially have uh, a tracker embedded with them? Yeah, it could be. We also didn't talk about like the implausibility of these mercenaries being killed by the bots from Shogun World. We talked about it in instant talk. I mean, yeah. I get. I'm starting to think that large scale tactics and strategy. I just don't see the eye eye to eye with the showrunners. Like I, I find their their singular combat, like when the man in black has to take down a whole town in the rain, like that's kind of cool. Um, but like the large scale action sequences, I might just like find implausible because I just mm-hmm. disagree with the way they're like with with how they're telling that part of the story. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, I I really hate just the the blanket excuse that these are inept people, right? That these are inept security forces, right? Um, they're certainly they should be better equipped, but I. I don't know. I don't really care that much, honestly. I, like, I it's mean, not going to ruin the show for it's me. It's not going to ruin the show. It would be better if they spent, pay, paid more attention, hired a couple of military advisors. To, like if they if they don't care about it enough to write it well, then to find mm-hmm. someone that can help them out with that. But it's not what the story is about. So I will. I'll forget. I'll I'll forgive it. Sure. Uh, okay. Angela captures a security guy who says Abernathy is headed for the Mesa, and Dolores takes Teddy to bed. 
And they fuck. They sure do. You know, I thought I thought it was funny that when we were doing instant talk, I mentioned the fact, like, is this the first time Teddy got his dick wet? I did it as a joke. But I was listening to some of the other podcasts, uh, and a lot of a lot of podcasts and articles talked about that and like in a more intelligent way that like no seriously like <laughs> surely not that's impossible <laughs> uh they didn't use the terms dick or wet uh <laughs> that like this is possibly the first time that like consensual host sex has been depicted on the show because if you think about like Maeve and Hector if Hector was not woke at that point if he's not conscious then, like, you can't have consensual sex with an unconscious person. Like, that's that's a bedrock of 21st century sexual understanding. So, like, and also, hmm. you know, I know Nolan and Joy made a point about saying how they that how they treated nudity and sexuality in the first season, that they, they went out of their way to make it appear, like, non-sexy. Yeah. Um, and it was very clinical, whereas this is, like, certainly an upgrade in, like, terms of passion and the way it was lit and shot. Uh, I wonder if this, we're supposed to, like... I mean, I don't, I, I don't know where I'm kind of going with this. Like, what, what difference does it make thematically or story-wise? But, like, I don't know. There's a, there's an Adam and Eve quality to it. Like, there's a, there's what a, about it, there's between a, there's an innocence that is as that there's otherwise absence in the show between these two. Because, like, I don't, I don't buy that. Like, it's it's entirely possible that Teddy and Dolores have never had sex in Westworld. Oh, I think that's almost certainly true yeah because you know their narrative loop just doesn't allow for right. it she, yeah 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 like like they would go and ride and talk about someday and then you know they'd mm-hmm. say good night and then the day would begin that would would loop over yeah um, i think the one instance i can think of of truly consensual sex in this world that happened before is between uh william and dolores on the train. Mm. Mm. But I think the, that was consensual. But if Dolores was still, like, not fully awake? Yeah, I... I mean, that's what it, I'm there, saying. It's borderline there. Yeah. That, that's the closest I can get to, to yeah. it. And, and Teddy is borderline, too. I don't even know if this qualifies. Right. I mean, Teddy is definitely... Yeah, I guess you're you're right from that thing, uh, from that perspective. I also thought... I'm not sure if this scene is the next scene, like, where... Uh, I thought I I I I kind of chuckled when Dolores picked up her own paint can, like, oh, you know yeah. hashtag feminism. Is it, oh, is that the she don't need paint no ma- or milk? I thought it was I paint. thought it was the because she's, she's going at her her arc is she goes out to the someplace spot and 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 paints the gorgeous scene. Uh-huh. So I thought that's a can of paint that that, that she's oh. using her supplies. Could be. I didn't look. At Gonna it set down all some of this natural splendor on her canvas. Uh, but yeah, yeah, no, I thought that was like her picking up her own paint cans, like you know, girl power. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Then we go to Sakura revealing that the Shogun has disfigured her back by carving a cherry blossom tree into it. Which that's the literal meaning of Sakura. Uh, yes. And as Akane tells a story from her youth, Maeve sympathizes with her pain and begins to take it away by using her mind powers to wake her up. But Akane protests and Maeve stops. Mm. Uh, Maeve is the new hero of the story from from this moment on. Actually, from from later in the episode where the the previous hero <laughs> gives way to villain uh but yeah i i like this moment a lot uh what what do you think is going on when Maeve tries to use the mesh network to force awakening upon akane and she kind of recoils in confusion and and fright and Maeve says some things are too precious to lose even to be free yeah why Maeve is free, yet she hasn't lost her the love of her daughter. 
I mean, but, I, but I appreciate that, that, that illusion has been broken um, uh, for her, I, yeah. I think, a little bit. And that was traumatic for her. Very traumatic very, to realize yeah. that. And so, like, and she didn't, I mean, I don't, uh, that's the whole, like, if, if if suffering is required to get to the next doorway or open the doorway to consciousness, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, can you, can you force people? Can you force people to do things that's for their own good? Um, I, I think it's. I think that the showrunners are trying to show this as con as as contrasted to Dolores, who is just fucking nakedly forcing people. Mm-hmm. Like she's just taking you know Teddy's uh, programming and just just making confetti with it. Versus you know yeah. maybe even for the right reasons, just I I just I can't force you. You got to do this on your own. Yeah, and I I almost think this in a weird way harkens back to I think it's last episode or or the episode before right. where. Um, Ford, through Lawrence's daughter, tells the man in black, look, if you're looking forward, you're looking in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And we see both Maeve and Dolores in this episode looking at their past, right? They're, Maeve's looking at her daughter through the eyes of uh, this woman, Akane. Mm-hmm. And Dolores is looking at Teddy, who was a love, the love of her life in the past story. Uh, Maeve makes the choice to preserve that. Dolores makes a choice to burn it on a pyre. Uh, and I think there's... Something interesting about that. I don't know if it ties into the game. I'm just saying there are a lot of themes at work. The other here. thing I was thinking as I was watching this on the subsequent watches is is the difference between Maeve and Dolores the fact that Maeve's daughter's still alive? Because if Akane is you're supposed to understand is a literal surrogate for Maeve, and when she sees her daughter killed, mm-hmm. she snaps and goes berserk and is instantly consumed with vengeance. It's the first thing on her mind. Where Maeve is True. kind of like cattily saying to Dolores, "Well, you know, vengeance is just a." a different prayer to the same altar yeah uh yeah and i wonder if that's something that Maeve herself is realizing and why she takes a more militant stance and like seems like she's gearing up for war because she kind of realizes that maybe they're you know i i'll let her slip into that for a little while but she needs to come back around um because i probably i like may's outlook Maeve's outlook on uh the host earlier in this episode Mm. As opposed to Dolores, I think Dolores has gone off the deep end. Hmm. Okay, with her vengeance, she might have to though, because like it's it's. Uh, Maybe I don't, I don't think humans are going to just passively let this the species displace them. No, no, no. But I think like her telling... treating of her own her own comrades essentially, you right. know, is what has taken her too far off the edge. I don't right. think it's like this vengeance mission upon humans. I think that's sort of just okay. Honestly, what I think takes her too far is saying that anyone who gets in my way, including my own people here, mm. are to be destroyed and and turned to my service. Okay. I think that goes too far. Uh, but maybe I couldn't win this war, and Dolores will. All right, we go to the final... No, not the final scene. Second to last scene. Final scene for Dolores. She takes Teddy to a barn where she has a tech do something really bad to Teddy's code because she believes him too weak for their journey. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of conversation along the way here. This is the big change that there was from the screener copies versus the ones. They actually have an inset where you see the tech manipulating that like wheel of attributes and mm-hmm. maximizing. I forget all the ones that the I wrote them all down. Did if, you? In case okay. you want to, you want to hear them all. I mean, it's it's the stuff you'd expect. Yeah, I mean, she maxes. She essentially turns him into a killing machine uh-huh. uh, that's that's willing to do anything she tells right. him to do. Um, she she. Puts up to max his bulk app perception, courage, tenacity, aggression, decisiveness, self-preservation, cruelty, and coordination. Mm-hmm. Uh, she puts to zero his humil- humility, meekness, vivacity, which is like 
being likably animated, essentially. Right, you're zest like, for life. Yeah. Um, dude, we're going to have a really boring future, Teddy. <laughs> Empathy, curiosity, imagination, and patience. And here's here's the thing. A lot of people are saying, oh, this is going to give James Marsden such a lot to do. And I'm like, no, 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 yeah. no. He's going to become a one-note killing machine right? who has no humor, uh, no self-will, nothing. It you're, will be, you're actually going to get less from him as an actor. But which, which is a kind of a cool acting challenge into itself. It's different, but it's it's not as interesting in my opinion. Right. Um, I... Why do you think they changed... Why, why do you think they altered that? I don't... No, maybe it's giving too much of the, the because mystery here's the away. Other thing but... is, it might be because they themselves realized that there's a Rebus problem here. Because, like, as from what I can tell from the inside, there is no difference from what this tech did to yeah. Teddy than what uh, uh, Bernard did to Rebus to to make him and turn him from the the slaver to the gallant hero mm-hmm. uh, and protector of women everywhere, like. That didn't make him go crazy. I right. uh, and and also now the, why the, why why the restrain? Like why couldn't she just wait till Teddy's asleep and just like have the tech do it then? Like what's well, all the dramatic? I think I think he has to hardwire into the arm, doesn't he? Does why? Like they, every time I've seen a host change, they've Maeve done that in the season one. I didn't think that they were hardwired into her. Maybe in season one, which, which like when part? they when they she's having them alter her bulk apperception and all that stuff. I just thought they just had to tablet out and was it would well, well, maybe in the lab you can this do that. Guy physically connect to Teddy. I I thought he just whipped I out the iPad know. and started doing. But stuff. you're right, there would be no reason to restrain him. But we saw Bernard do it with yeah, but, with Abernathy. But, we saw Bernard do it with Rebus. Like, but I thought Bernard did that for other reasons too. And I did he actually? I, I didn't so. think he jacked physically into Rebus. I th- oh yeah, did he really? Yeah, he cut him open. Huh. Okay. Uh, he, the other thing is, she mentioned this to Teddy when she asked him what they would do, uh, like what he would do differently, and he's talked about the you know he'd shelter them in the barn. She says, "I'll think about what you said." Did she? Yeah. And she just ultimately rejected it. Uh, it seems like it yeah. because uh, you know someone in the instant talk, like I, I kind of dismissed it, but he brought up the point that like. Maybe we're supposed to think that she's doing something terrible to him or scrambling his brains, but we're actually yeah. going to appreciate that she... Because what we actually see is him being restrained in this barn, full of decay, like decaying and sick things. Like, maybe mm-hmm. she's going to shelter... Like, like we think... I, I don't know. Maybe she's putting him in a shutdown mode or something. Because I don't know, because like, there's, there's a clear conflict between what she's saying and doing... And what it seems like the impact of that should be, and you know, we've seen this happen with Rebus, and I hope it's not well, just muddled storytelling. Here's what the text says: the text mm-hmm. says uh, changes. This I ex- can't. I can't guarantee he'll hold together, right. which doesn't mean it doesn't mean Rebus would have been good long term. He was good for 14 days because okay. we see him get shot at the end. Sure, of it, but. You know? But, like, long-term, like, how long does Dolores need Teddy know, for? Maybe. More than 14 days? I don't know. Right. Um, uh, and then why, yeah, he, why he can't he do... he doesn't say this will immediately destroy everything. Also, why does he just do host? a fucking full reset? Because he can't. Why? He doesn't, doesn't have, have the ability, ability in, doesn't have in the, the field. Permission? Hmm, maybe. Or, or in the field. You okay. Know? Just, I, mean, I, I like, think the full reset is, like, pulling the core, wiping it, and read. Here, here, here's the here's the problem that I'm a little nervous of is because there are no rules and they can write and do whatever they want and just say this is how the tech works and you know mm-hmm. that we don't really know like you know this is kind of like your problem with magic like if you don't establish r- world building rules pretty quickly um, it can lead to just frankly horseshit story writing later on and there's mm-hmm. a little bit of that where 
you know, yeah, you can get away with doing some of this stuff because we don't know how it works. But every single time you commit something to screen, you are putting yourself, you are you are handcuffing yourself to that that world building. Yeah. And I hope they don't get because like already I see like there's some creaks and some cracks in some of the stuff they're doing here. And the best sci-fi does that and acknowledges it and uses it. Right. Uh, they they intentionally create rules so that they can use them in interesting ways. Yes. I hope Westworld is going to do that. I do too. Uh, I thought there was there were a couple of attributes in in this potentially doctored maybe screener version of of this with his personality that she doesn't change mm-hmm. or that she just changes a little bit so she reduces his candor to half like doesn't doesn't want Teddy getting too sassy right because uh, he was much higher on the candor before right uh, and then she totally leaves his sensuality exactly where it is which i guess she was satisfied <laughs> with the bang sesh earlier yeah yeah uh had zero problems with really wouldn't it wouldn't put it to 20 no what was it no. at uh I, th- I think it was low i think it was real Aww. low like like a one or a Aww. two maybe poor ted well he's a virgin i don't know i, uh, I don't most, remember most what people like. most people don't enter the world of banging uh superstars that's true yeah but dolores liked it exactly as it was uh, okay, and then we go to the final scene where... Actually, we didn't talk... I, I feel like we've talked about this all episode, but I think it's interesting to show that like Dolores is sort of burning out the part of her that that is Teddy. Ah, her, which is we- like her potential her, weakness. Yeah, her own weakness in order to save the herd. Like, mm. she is the herd herself, mm-hmm. which I thought was an interesting illusion to draw. Right. There's still, like, um, also, like, it, there's a couple other th- concepts that were introduced in season one that we haven't talked about for a while, the whole Judas steer. Mm-hmm. Um, there was talk about maybe Teddy being that Judas steer, but is it possible that Dolores is the Judas steer just going to get them all killed? We're going to yeah. all march them off to destruction? Could be. Um, because, again, you know, she's she's kind of been shown as this messianic figure this thus far this season, but... Uh, there's just as much evidence that she's a she's a she's some sort of devil figure as well. Yeah, this is not really the behavior right. of, of Christ. Right. No. 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 At least as I understand it. Right. Also, I guess the question comes up now that the cradle is gone, and we see that uh, at least some of these people are wiped entirely. This might be the true death of Teddy here, as mm. we know him. Right. Like, can you get? this version that we know of Teddy back if his backup is gone? So maybe... Huh. Yeah. And who caused the... Who started the fire? Like, who who started the fire that burnt down the cradle? Was I think it, it's gotta be Dolores. Yeah, because, like, I don't, I don't think the, the termination sequence did it. Uh, termination sequence? Because I, I feel like they, they want you to think that when Elsie entered the termination sequence and it, and it started oh. burning and there was no one there to, like, maybe control or stop it, that that what's led to the cradle being destroyed. But I think you're right. I think it's – it's uh, or maybe it's the man in black. Because like, hmm. he's the one that sets off the, his greatest mistake to uh, – of course, also we also don't know if the cradle is actually the same facility that that, that Jim Dalos is at either. Right, that's another you know assertion we're making that I, doesn't have any I evidence. I think it's not. I think the cradle is in the Mesa. Okay, which the Delos facility I don't believe was in the Mesa. It was hidden out in some other sector. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So yeah, the, it could be the Man in Black. Could be where he's headed. Uh, okay, so the the Shogun's dance begins, but not before. The Shogun kills Sakura, forcing Akane to dance beside her body. Uh, she dances her way right up to the Shogun and saws his head off with a hairpin blade. 
Uh, the Shogun's army begins to attack, but Maeve forces him to turn on each other with her mind powers. And I, at first I thought she just pulled a hairpin out of her hair and sawed this man's head off with it. No, <laughs> Which made no sense, but pay- it, is a, it, it is a blade. Yeah, it's a payoff to her stabbing that one dude through the uh, she's like that They revealed that she has that ability. But still, yeah. like I don't think I've ever seen someone cut through someone like at their jawbone level. <sighs> yeah. That I, was crazy, and then the fact that Shogun like struggled to his feet for a moment before he passed. like was horrific. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really fucking macabre. Uh, I kept thinking, why is no one making a move to stop this? But what are you gonna do? Well, I mean, maybe they're not hearing. That's the problem when you t- when you take all your warriors and deafen them like that. You can't that, see that the Shogun's head is half hanging off. Uh, I'm just saying they're slow to react. Uh, you're right. I they're, did, they're pretty slow to some react. Some of this shit doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. but uh, you know, all this. This whole thing seems to be for the purpose of seeing this trauma through the lens of Maeve mm-hmm. and and seeing this psychological anguish that's causing her power to grow, the suffering causing her power to grow and unlocks the full extent of her mesh network. Um, yeah. Why did they use Wu-Tang's cream here? Because they use pop culture But don't they all uh, have like some kind of like connection because this the cream song is uh you know it's 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 acronym stands for cash rules everything around me mm. uh what what is the you know, i mean that's a pretty spot-on interpretation of westworld <laughs> hmm. like, but that's the point of westworld is not like i thought the whole point idea of westworld is to make money but it's not that's but it that's, is that's what the shareholders but, but that's what think, everything that's is not, about that's eh, what everything is about immortality is not about money it's about living forever so hmm. humans desire for immortality rules everything around me. I don't know what that that stands for. Yeah. What what word that would make? But I, I don't know. I mean, it, it sounds badass. And someone on SoundCloud put together like they looped this uh, version of Cream by uh, Jawadi and uh, over the actual uh, Wu Tang track, and it's fucking a badass. Yeah, it's kind of like my new favorite version of the song. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where they're taking Maeve. She now has. Oh, game-changing power. Yeah, I don't know if she has, like, immediate control over it. Like, she can just do this at will now, or if she still right. needs that element of suffering. There's an interview by, in, in Tandy, yeah. by Tandy Newton where she says that she she makes explicit connection to this suffering. Yeah. and But I don't know. Like, surely not. Like, once you learn, like, maybe that's what allows you to discover the path, but, like, you surely should be able to practice that. Yeah, at some point, she's likely to gain control over it yeah. uh, but it makes her as powerful if not more powerful than ford even was in oh this yeah world. and now there's another thing is like a, there's some people that were well maybe i'll let, let uh, maybe we'll get to that discussion in the theory section because like i'm trying real hard to segregate that stuff okay jim can you believe it we're almost done with may we're almost done with the West World, the West World promotion. We are for our club, uh, but you can still for another nine to ten days get a twenty five percent off discount on a new annual membership by going to club.baldmove.com and using the promo code WW twenty eighteen. What do you get for that? Well, you get the satisfaction of supporting an independent podcast that you presumably enjoy. Uh, and if you enjoy it, you'll get lots more of it because there's tons of bonus audio and video features. We have entire shows that we do on a weekly basis just for club members, VIP sections on the forums, uh, ad-free feeds, 
all kinds of stuff. You can check out all of the like preview. We got like example of all that content at club.baldmove.com. Uh, so check it all out. Try before you buy, and then get twenty five percent off of a new annual club membership by using the checkout code WW twenty eighteen at checkout. I guess it's a promo code that you'd use at checkout, not the checkout code that you'd use at promo. Either way, WW2018, go to club.ballmove.com for the full pitch, and we appreciate your support in advance. As I said in the intro, today's sponsor is Audible. Uh, If you're not familiar with it, Audible is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Uh, Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks and other audio products. Uh, I'm personally a customer, and I have been for quite a while now. Uh, I listen mainly to audiobooks, which are kind of my thing at the moment, my jam, especially while I'm driving, uh, which now is pretty, a pretty good time for driving. Like, I feel like the summer activities include road tripping. Road trips. Yeah, so you got like a good solid two to six hours in a car. Uh, nothing better, in my opinion, to do than turn on an audiobook. Uh, what other what other activities? Oh man, uh, any place you can take your cell phone and a waterproof speaker. Uh, to uh, uh, I've been doing a lot of river tubing. Great place. The beach, bike mm. rides, jogging, camping. Any place where yeah. you really you got a lot of time to yourself that you don't that you don't want to be talking to other people. And when you're doing you know other stuff like cooking, yeah, things like that. I I really enjoy listening to audiobooks. I have a recommendation for people. You do? I actually uh, got this recommendation from another Audible ad on Alt-Shift-X. Oh, uh, okay. But he turned me on this book called Sapiens, subtitled A Brief History of Humankind by Dr. Yuval Harari. Uh-huh. And he aims to essentially look at all of modern human evolution, like the fact that 100,000 years ago there was six species of humans and now we have only one. Mm-hmm. What happened to them? What are the implications? 70,000 years ago is the appearance of modern cognition. How did we go from hunter and gatherers to people that are building skyscrapers and sending rockets to the moon? It's all super fascinating, and he explores the role of the evolving humans and how they've impacted the global ecosystem, uh, built empires. Uh, he integrates history and science to reconsider accepted narratives of humanity's uh, rise and evolution, connect past developments with contemporary concerns that we're struggling with today, and examine these specific uh, events within the context of much larger ideas. And I found it's fascinating, and it's it fits hand in glove with the stuff we talk about on Westworld. Does he talk about 30 years in the future when we're all going to just – Evolved by becoming hosts. I'm not finished with the book, but supposedly the last part of the book deals with where humanity is okay. going. And Perfect. he wrote a, a follow-up book called Homo Deus, mm-hmm. which is essentially looking at what human, where humans are going in the context of like a technological singularity. It's and a fancy word for human 2.0. And, and AI <laughs> and that stuff. So it's yeah. like, again, this stuff is, exa- is a great fit for fans of Westworld. Okay, sounds good. Uh, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash Westworld and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title uh, and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash Westworld or text Westworld to 500-500 to get started today. Well, I think that's it for the episode. Okay. Are we ready for feedback? Uh, I'm, I, I suppose so. Um Westworld at baldmove.com is where you can send us feedback. You can also go to forums, forums.baldmove.com. If you'd like to discuss your favorite theories or observations from the episode with your fellow fans, uh, without further ado, Drew S. up first. 
some some email on our last episode. We probably know how nitroglycerin tastes because it's discovered in the 1840s, about 50 years before the emergence of what we'd call modern chemistry. It's not that unusual for the more rugged and adventurous... People are just going around licking everything. Well, get this. There's not unusual for the more rugged and adventurous chemist of this earlier era to taste their discoveries in the name of science. Ah. Ah. For example, mustard gas may have been first synthesized as early as 1822, but its discovery is generally credited to British physicist Frederick Guthrie, who fully characterized the compound in 1850, including... He tasted sweet. Including the all-important mouthfeel. He described it as God an oily substance. So, yeah, like, this guy's rolling mustard gas around in his mouth. damn it. What are we doing? What are I we doing? Know. I don't know. Does this I shit mean, still happen in 2018? Oh, of course. It reminds me of, like, tasting like, things like in the, man, the, the that famous story from the Manhattan Project. Of course Project, it is. We're eating fucking Tide Pods. Of course this shit happens. Where, right. Where, like, like a, a nuclear physicist was taking two halves of what they called the demon core and, like, manipulating them with flathead screwdrivers to see how close he could get them to... Oh. Jesus. And and he fucking lost control in the core slash and it killed him. Imagine and, that. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah, scientists, you know. They roll it around in his mouth like he, a gobstopper. <laughs> only because someone else already did. <laughs> Plutonium had been tasted by that. He said point. it was slightly bitter. He doesn't like it. Yeah, it tastes like burning. Uh it tastes like DNA destruction. <laughs> uh GNA or GNA. Jonathan G. Last week, you guys were hypothesizing about why Delos couldn't get past a certain point of fidelity without glitching, and you talked about cognitive dissonance, an Aeron question if a person could experience a similar dissonance from a physical cause. As a graduate student in a physical therapy program, several real-life examples immediately sprung to mind. Mm. First and foremost, uh, or more commonly known, is the phenomenon of phantom limb pain. Yeah, that's where I thought he was going. Right. So that's like, if you don't know, uh, in instances of amputation, it's not uncommon for the individual to feel like their limb is still there and problematically sometimes feel a constant burning pain or sensation of a tensed uh, muscle. What people do not know is there is one of the most effective treatments of this condition is something called mirror therapy, which essentially applies cognitive dissonance to resolve the problem. A mirror is placed such that it reflects the image of the intact limb, so the patient appears to have, let's say, two feet again. The hmm. patient then moves the foot and relaxes it, and believe it or not, it helps to loosen up the non-existent limb so the patient can relax. It's believed the process works because the brain cannot rectify the conflicting input between visual and sensory systems, so it trusts the visual over the sensory and acts accordingly. The second situation I'd like to mention involves a person who suffers a stroke. It's not uncommon for an individual to lose feeling or motion in part or all or half of their body opposite the location of the stroke in the brain. But a less common but far more severe stroke complication is called spatial neglect. In this instance, it's not that the person cannot feel or move half their body. It's that they no longer acknowledge that half their body exists. You can literally show a person suffering from right-sided neglect their right hand, and they will tell you they don't know whose hand it is. If you've never seen it, I definitely mm. recommend looking up videos of YouTube of, uh, on YouTube for individuals with the condition. Much like Delos, these patients may acknowledge what they are seeing is not what they should be seeing, uh, and they can suffer emotionally because of it. So. Wow. Sounds that like sounds that, that might be a real like a real problem with putting a consciousness into an unfamiliar body. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I've seen several science fiction takes. Like, you take a you know a person's brain, you put it in a different person's body, and like, mm -hmm. oh my god, you know, sometimes it's stupid. Like, you put it into a serial killer's body, and sometimes it's not so. Like, I, I remember there's one with um, oh shit, I can't remember. Maybe it was Mariel Hemingway. Where she died, and she was a supermodel, and she got put into an average woman's body, and it caused all kinds of problems. 
Um, anyway, something to that turns out. Yeah. Any implications to Westworld? Not beyond what we've already discussed, I'm sure. Is is it is it interesting that like because uh, when he started talking about mirror therapy, I kept on thinking about the significant looks that Delos was giving to himself into the mirror. Mm-hmm. Even like when we finally see him, he's carving himself. Like I wonder if that's there's because because the one thing I know about Jonathan Nolan is he does read all the, he does read like weird medical white papers and shit and like that's some of the like some of this stuff starts from like like memento starts from him reading about this retrograde amnesia yeah like how much of this stuff goes into the writing of Westworld yeah and I guess we were viewing the mirror scenes as triggers yeah uh, for his for lack of a better term physical dissonance here right. um. But maybe it was sort of the opposite. He was trying to treat himself. Right. And, you know, you even think of, like, when he's like, oh, I'm all the way down now. Like, like, so you've hit rock bottom. That's that's a term used in recovery for, like, mm-hmm. the point where you then begin to climb out. Yeah. Like, if, if, if Elsie hadn't set him on fire, it's possible that another 30, 40 days and he'd be right as rain. Maybe. Uh because you got to suffer like that's another yeah I, I it's this stuff is all coming together uh well, it'll be interesting to see if it comes together nicely uh shot in from toledo we've long accepted the 28 day rule he's referring to this rule that was established in season one that you can own that they only let the the guests spend up to 28 days before they have to be they have to spend at least a week outside the park to decompress mm-hmm. um uh, psych- psychologically decompressed, not physically, because a lot of people use that f- fra- that that phrase to think the say that the fucking Westworld's at the bottom of the ocean or some shit. <laughs> oh my god! Okay. Anyway, just trying to just try and try to podcast offensively here. We've only accepted twenty eight day rule as something to ensure that the guests don't get too wrapped up or absorbed in the park. Something about episode four changed the way I look at this. Unless we've seen that the park tries to collect stray hosts and reset them on their loops. Uh, unless there's a guest with them. For example, they let William drag Dolores all over the park last season, but only after confirming she was with a guest. Mm-hmm. What if the 35 days of stability actually applies to any artificial body that's not reset or on a loop, not just human consciousness? That could mean that they are forcing guests to leave so that the hosts they're with can be reset on their, roop, on their, roops, on their loops before hitting that plateau without breaking the immersion. Would that mean that uh, with the technicians gone that the hosts are headed for a cliff they don't realize is coming? So you're saying the hosts are only stable for 28 days? I mean, I'm not or, saying or, that. I, I know. Uh, yeah. Sean M. from Toledo is saying that. Yeah, I'm but... talking to Sean M. Uh, yeah, no, you're, I, I, you're I saying the so. hosts are only stable for 28 days, and then after that, what do you think happens? They deteriorate, or they become they start to you know awaken. Well, I think I think at their first step would be deterioration. Okay. Uh, then, like, if you go, if, if you keep doing the you know the James Delos, maybe if they're left in that state, they'll get better. But it does seem like it'd be kind of debilitating in the meantime if you're trying to, to fight a war. The other interesting thing about this, if true, is it also kind of implies that because they've explicitly said that we're 14 days into the future, that we're like halfway through. Mm-hmm. It's kind of suspicious that we're halfway through that per- per particular period in the most current timeline. So I don't know. It might that that it might be that these hosts do have to be reset to keep them from going off the rocker and. Uh, I don't know. I feel like that that might have been more established. Um, Maybe I'm not sure because that's that also implies that Dalos will lose all their IP if they don't get this fucking shit wrapped up in <laughs> another couple weeks. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Moving on down. Moving on down the line. Barry C from the UK. 
I love Jimmy Simpson and I love Ed Harris playing the same role. It really works for me. I also love Bernard and Dolores being the same actor across multiple timelines because they're robots. The thing I find strange about Westworld is the fact that Ford is still very much present in terms of the story in season two, but we presumably won't be seeing Anthony Hopkins again. I feel like we should see him a bit more in the flashbacks. Do you think we'll get a CGI Hopkins at some point? And do you think the show maybe should have two actors for past and present Ford like they did with the man in black? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I can't really answer your first question. Um, but the second question, I think if they knew that they wanted to do that, then yes. Like if they wanted to bring Ford back, then yes, they should have had a younger actor instead of CG because I have to imagine it's much cheaper and simpler in all regards. I do find that weird that they did. I mean, the answer is because they're trying to trick us in season one. Yeah. Uh, but it is weird that they've got you know Jimmy Simpson and, and Ed and Ed uh, Harris even though I, I agree I think they're doing a great job of kind of like you know mirroring each other and kind of like bridging that ga- gap but to consciously make a young Anthony uh, Dan- uh Anthony Daniels <laughs> uh a young Anthony Hopkins CG when they could have like I'm thinking like who would be the perfect young Anthony Hopkins like uh the 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 guy that played uh the, the Kinsey on the Masters of Sex, he'd probably make a pretty good. Oh uh, yeah, Anthony Hopkins, absolutely. Uh, I, 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 why why didn't they do that? Uh, may, maybe my guess is that they don't think they're going to use Anthony Hopkins' younger mm. version that much. Maybe because they've already built a, 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 a swank new body for him that they're going to like. Who knows? That's that's speculation. Let's let's get let's let's save that for this. Let's let's save even the joke speculation for the speculation section. Uh, all right, Ben T from the UK. Uh, back-to-back UKers. I want to talk about Maeve's new ability to talk to other hosts by apparently unlocking the mesh network inside her. My question is, will Maeve only be able to use this voice on hosts that are sentient? Uh, or will Maeve be able to use mm-hmm. that voice on hosts that are sentient, as we've only really seen it work on hosts still running on a loop? Maeve does feel more powerful than even Dolores at this point. Right. Dolores has command of her physical form. Sure. Uh, and and certain portions of her mind. Maeve has control of her own programming, her mm-hmm. code. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Maeve could make a host do whatever she wants. Even Dolores? Yes. Because I think what would happen is Dolores would actually experience the like Maeve's voice in her head and would realize what's going on and just ignore it. Whereas But the... she is not she has zero experience dealing with her own code. But she has she has that's one of the things Bernard was trying to teach her, or I guess Arnold trying to teach her. The, the that voice inside her head was not her programming and not Arnold; yeah. it was her own voice. So, like, That's I fair. feel like that was a that was a very crucial distinction they made last season. So she knows the sound of her own thoughts and her own directives, and she would recognize an alien influence. Maybe, maybe. Although I but will that's say Dolores, that, that's not like even Teddy necessarily. And I will say that Dolores's voice in her head was like a literal voice in her head mm-hmm. that she could hear. Yeah, and, right? and, and we saw the scene where it morphed from Arnold's voice to her own voice. Right now, Maeve's commands don't seem to be audible, even to the hosts that are perceiving them. They they work on a yeah. protocol like programming level. So yeah. I don't even know if that would inoculate Dol- Dolores, but probably. Dolores is the most inoculated of anyone. Okay. 
Yeah, uh, I, I would. Uh, to me, I think that's super unsatisfying. If Maeve can just come up to Dolores and be like, it is, you know, yeah. go fuck yourself, and uh-huh. she tries to. Like, I, I, don't, I don't. Yeah, that seems kind of dumb. Yeah. Uh, Peter G. Uh, I did have some thoughts on Maeve and Dolores' penchants for throwing away armies that you noticed in your Instant Talk podcast. It seems like both of them are being driven by emotional, irrational urges, which frankly is a distinctly human characteristic that you wouldn't expect of just robots. Dolores has turned into a sadistic anti-hero, convinced extermination of all unlike her is the only way, even to the point of sacrificing her love. Maeve, however, seems... Uh, to slaughter these samurai for a different reason, if a more understandable one. Sheer vengeance at what they did to Sakura. Before she releases the butchery, she tells Akane that she is a true mother. After we've been shown all episode what she would do for her daughter, then she massacres everyone who wronged this woman she clearly empathizes with. If she's truly the hero of the story, I think, and I think I agree that she is, she's a lot more John Wick than I expected. <laughs> Um, I did that. That line about her being a true mother is interesting mm-hmm. because did did Maeve's Maeve's daughter didn't get killed, right? No, she yes, did. the man she in black did. kills her. Okay, because like, yeah, what does that mean? She's a true like. Do you have to to, to be a true mother? You have to experience the to the death of your child and then an avenger is that why like is Maeve drawing it so is Maeve showing a common a common connection she has with Akane or is she making a distinction between herself like I haven't done the thing that you've done yet I haven't been able to get vengeance yet I don't know me either he continues I think we may also be seeing two sides of the same coin the same way we do the William as the man in black. Last week's speech about how death couldn't be recognized sitting across the table was memorable as hell. And this episode, we spend the episode uh, bouncing back and forth between Dolores and Maeve. Mm -hmm. We've known Dolores as death all season, a butcher without remorse. But at the end of the episode, it's Maeve who is the avatar of death, not Dolores. We've seen the same thing with William. He can Mm -hmm. be a ruthless killer just for the sake of playing the game. We've also seen him rescue Lawrence and his family now purely out of empathy for Lawrence's situation, the same way Maeve does for Akane this week. That's another good point, too, that that's almost literally the exact same thing that happened, Mm -hmm. Uh, except for the man in black recognized himself in the oppressor, uh, where Maeve recognized herself in the victim. So it's still the same, uh, different sides of the same coin. Any other thoughts based on that? Um. I think, like, the similarity that he points out to of the host to us, um, their, you know, irrational motives sometimes, emotional motives, just serves to further illustrate this idea of the chain of evolution being unbroken here. Because uh, all we really did is remove death mm-hmm. from the human equation. Right. And the hosts otherwise are us. So I, I think they're very much digging their heels into that Interesting. concept. Um. All right, let's continue with Cassie B. Have the hosts entered this new conscious state with the skills and levels they had while under Delos's control before Ford set everyone free? For example, Maeve had Felix turn everything up all the way before she was truly free. Now she's more intelligent and has more awareness than Lee, a full human. Uh, other hosts, however, like Teddy, may not be nearly as woke, but it is it because his levels weren't as high as Maeve's before they were set free? So the question hmm. is here... Uh, do these hosts, I mean, I, I guess the real question here is if you took all the hosts and you set all their levels to maximum, would they all be the same people? That's no, because of their cornerstones. Right. 
I think. But they'd have roughly the same capabilities? Yeah. Do you think that Maeve will ever grow so advanced that she can set these things at will? I think they'd have the same demeanor, not the same goals. Hmm. Huh. Okay. It's an interesting philosophical question. Like, I don't think everyone in Westworld and Shogun World are now equal. Like, if they're off their their chain. My my assumption is they are going to have the same rough... Art, you know, RPG role playing game stats that they they began with until yeah. someone fucks with them, or until such a time they learn to fuck with them themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting thing because, like, as humans, we can't just decide that we're going to be smarter. No, like you can work at being more informed, but your actual bulk apperception is set from you know birth or a combination of birth and environment. I don't fucking really know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's not something you can like, you know, just decide, hey, I'm going to I'm going to be a little bit quicker on the ball today. Mm-hmm. And can... it also brings up like ethical questions of if you can change them, shouldn't you? Yeah. Like, like, shouldn't we actually make everyone equal? Right. At least in their core capabilities. Right. If we have that option. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that's something that we're going to struggle with pretty quickly. Like if you can cure any disease mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of cost. Uh, how do you allocate that resource? Is it just for the people that can afford it? Because that doesn't necessarily is the same thing as the people that can that, that deserve it. Yeah. Or what if I have the ability to, you know, raise my child's IQ to the level of sure. the smartest person on the planet? And and literally everyone can do that. Right. Shouldn't I? Yeah. Like, isn't that like the number one priority for me? Is sure. to do that? Yeah. I mean. If I could afford private school for my son, for damn sure I would. Like, <laughs> and it's going to cause all sorts of cultural strife. Like, yeah. I, I can see people yeah. who are like, you know, never, never switchers or something. <laughs> like, we're we're never going to change our attributes. We're because dumb we as believe... hell, and that's our fucking heritage. Yeah, and it. Yeah, I mean, it's not even. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to cause all kinds of problems. Yeah, when we can eventually do that. Yeah, that's yeah that yeah. Pu- uh. You're talking about like post singularity humanity yeah. is is going to be interesting times. <laughs> interesting times. Uh, okay, I think we got there. Okay, so, uh, Josh M from Saint Augustine. I wanted to write in and see if you both got the pretty heavy Targaryen-y vibe from the scene where Maeve and the gang meet the Shogun, aka the Dragon. I'm no musical expert, but it seems like Ramin Jawadi threw in a sample of Danny's dragon fighting overture score <laughs> for the long dramatic introduction. Could be coincidence, but the references to the dragon made it seem all obvious. Uh, all too obvious, rather. Just curious if you guys think this is done purposely as a wink to the fellow HBO hit, and also interested if you enjoy meta nods such as this one in such a high budget production, or if you find them distracting. I don't really find them distracting. Uh, and to be honest, I didn't notice anything right. in this episode, but. I have it's noticed not not a, a bit of Game of Thrones and Westworld occasionally yeah. and vice versa, but that's like like look at look at John Williams, you know, like I'm not saying that Superman and Raiders and Star Wars all sound the same like some of us do. Uh-huh. But you certainly recognize themes. Yes. And it could be that like you know like these things sound the same because they're all broadly marches or they're all broadly like this particular type type of of, and they're going to have similar progressions and they're going to use similar chords and 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 all that like i I, i've already exhausted all the musical terminology i know (laughs) but yeah like i don't even know if it's done as a as a wink or it's just 
this is his style, mm-hmm. and he's applying it to two shows that have, you know, if you want a stirring, badass theme, they're just like visually, there's only so many ways to, to, to show, you know, uh, a person using a whisper, like a mesh network. There's only so many tools in a musical toolkit to make people feel happy or joyous or sad or triumphant, you know? Mm-hmm. So, same guy making both, you're going to have. Um, but also, I'd also super buy that he just puts a few notes in there just for the per, uh, personal amusement as well. Uh, let's see. Terry C. Is it okay for the host to have an... Oh, wait. If it's okay for the host to have an explosion in their neck and their brain not be damaged, something that we've talked about over the few, last few weeks. Yeah. Now, why the hell not take Peter Abernathy's marble out of his head to get the information out of the park? Mm-hmm. It'd be much easier than trying to smuggle out the whole body of a malfunctioning robot. Yeah. The only reason to leave it in Abernathy is to give Dolores something to do and chase after him. That's... A perfectly valid point. I mean, I can try to think There's of There's almost zero like, defense of it. Like, uh, you know, they, they would actually make people empty out their pockets and, like, put, you know, like, because like, I've heard of, like, very high, like, military contracting where they confiscate your cell phone when you enter the premises and they make you walk through metal detector and do all kinds of different shit. But I'm pretty sure it's easy to hide a marble than a whole fucking android body. <laughs> Even if you grant that... He's mostly human. He's mostly meat. He's got an explosive cervical disc in his in his vertebra. He's got some kind of fucking antenna thing in his arm. Mm-hmm. God knows what else he's got in there. Yeah, he's the got a, a brain core in his brain. Like it's it's just going to light up like a Christmas tree. Yeah. So that's a very good question. It's also. It might yeah, be the price I, of admission too, especially when you're dealing with. A board member. Like, mm-hmm. in my opinion, I feel like Charlotte could just walk in there, pick up the marble, and walk out. Right. Although, I will say that I don't think Peter Abernathy is on a marble. I think Peter Abernathy is in one of those bigger core things. But, oh, but well, see, I think her, the core is just in what's inside that red muffin-looking thing. I, I thought the marble was specifically the human-host hybrid mm. Thing inside of that because because those those thing. red muffins look exactly like the white ones they do so like I'm assuming that that inside inside there is like the actual core I don't know it's possible I don't know the only core we've seen is Bernard picking it's like, one it's up like what do people call ho- CPUs my mom calls a CPU the big box that PC, sits on her yeah. desk you uh-huh. know if she's slightly smarter she might call the entire heat sink and fan assembly the cpu but uh-huh. i really know it's that postage stamp little fucking wafer that does all the magic <laughs> like it's who knows but who i would knows? think charlotte as a board member could walk in grab a right. thing and and stiff arm security as she walks right out like yeah. who's gonna stop her right or like you know security tries to stop her she's like son do you know who i you know pulls that move on him yeah yeah I don't know. I mean, the unless thing is, Ford has like literally the, the ultimate control. Could, that's the thing, and like, and they want us to believe that Ford had absolute control over what comes in and out, which is why Dalos had some weird, desperate ways to try to get this data out. Yeah, um, and which she, I suppose, it's also telling that she was doing this heist on the day that she was firing him. So those controls would presumably no longer be. But then, then why doesn't she just stroll it out herself? Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's I don't hard know that's a, to defend. It's hard to defend. It's hard, it's also premature to call it a plot hole. Sure. Because it's also like, I don't think that Charlotte Hale is super duper smart. Mm-hmm. I think she's a good businesswoman. She's ruthless. She's uh, adept at, at manipulation and, and getting uh, accumulating power. But is she as a good of a schemer as Ford? I don't think so. 
So it could be that she just didn't fully think all this through, and like Lee's plan would have gone hilariously bad and wrong. Uh, wrong uh, but it, this never happened because Ford's plan, you know, took everything and threw it out the window. Yeah. Uh, okay, so here's some meta talk. Uh, which, if you're not interested in speculation, if you don't want to hear any kind of navel gazing that the internet's been doing about whether Westworld is getting bad or getting <laughs> getting good, oh you okay. can shut off the podcast here because uh, I saved it for the end of the non speculation section. Craig P, a representative of many people in my mailbag and even more people on Reddit, if episode four wasn't so good, wouldn't we be questioning the quality of this season just a little bit by now? Is there a chance this season just isn't as good as season one? I loved every character last year, but for example, this year, I just can't stand Dolores' storyline. Okay, I picked this one because it's a pretty neutral way to phrase, like, what some people are saying is the the whole theme of Westworld not being as good as last year and whether this show is turning into garbage. Uh, Jim, do you have? Oh yeah, any it's thoughts? garbage. The whole thing's garbage this season. Yeah, yeah, it's just bad. Only a fucking no, idiot here... would make a two-hour podcast over this garbage each week. <laughs> I look. I can respect both sides of this argument. What if if the show is doing something grander mm-hmm. and the show is trying to you know dive into all these very heady cerebral themes uh, and concepts? And it's not connecting with its audience. It's not mm-hmm. doing its job. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, if you thoroughly enjoy those types of things, right? Uh, and the show gives you an episode that's focused merely on plot development, mm-hmm. merely on mystery uh, mm-hmm. reveals, then and you're not satisfied with that the show is also not doing its job. I right. feel like it's a double-edged sword here. Like, there is one group of people who really likes this show for one thing that it yeah. is. There's another group of people who really likes the show for the other thing that it is. Right. And those people butt heads on the internet uh, every episode because of what I, you know, the the framing that I did at the beginning of this episode, which is this show is trying to do two very different things yeah. that excite people in different ways. Right. You can't reconcile that. And I, I, the thing that I don't like is watching people on the internet say, you are wrong in your opinion on this right. show because it's not trying to do the thing that you enjoy it for. Right. That's foolish. Mm-hmm. You're, you're both wrong in that scenario. Right. Like, you're wrong for telling someone that their opinion is wrong. Right. And they're potentially missing out on something bigger. Right. Because they're only looking at it in microcosm. But I... I, I have a real hard time giving either side of this argument any any leeway. Just, like, let's enjoy what we enjoy for the reasons we enjoy it and not shit on other people who don't. I think it's – but I also think it's human nature to, like, if you love something and now you're loving it less, to try to grapple with that and understand it. And, like, for those people, I like to offer a counterexample of Mr. Robot, which is another show that had a wild, widely hailed first season, which the creator immediately said, well, you'll see that this is just part one of a long four or five yeah. season arc. And season two came back and a lot of people, not universally, not even most, but a lot of people like, man, season two is not as good. The pacing's weird. Mm-hmm. They're that was me. doing their, yeah, it's both of us. They're doing all this weird reveal stuff that we've already smoked out and it's just not as interesting. And oh my God, maybe this whole show is going to be a piece of shit. And then season three came out and it was returned to form even yeah. better. Like, like a lot. And, and now, now what's interesting is, 
I, I, I think you can say that season one of Mr. Robot was really good. Season two was uneven and season three was a return to form. Some people then take it and like have this weird, like positive form of the argument, which is like, well, now in retrospect, you can see how brilliant season two was. No, I'm not ready to go there. Like season two still had a lot of fat to trim. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm saying is like, I'm open to the possibility of Westworld season two not being as good as Westworld season one. Mm-hmm. That's not saying that the project is in danger. It's just saying that it's not about precedent that someone who's pivoting from a very compelling first season of something who now has to expand it to something that's their full thesis. And they've like maybe had some notes where it's like, oh, season two is going to be about this thing. Season three is about to be this thing. Season four is about to be season five is going to be the grand climax. Not all those things are going to be evenly paced or maybe even be of a piece of each other. Like even The Wire, which I think is one of the greatest shows of all time. It's final season. Season five is the weakest one, which mm-hmm. is kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, like it's it's arguable that if they had stopped at season four, it would be a stronger product. Um, but on the other hand, as a Wire fan, I don't know that I agree with that because I still got more of the Wire and it's not like season five was garbage. Uh, sure. So I think people just need to sell the fuck down. Mm-hmm. And also we're only halfway through the season. So like it's entirely possible that at the end of this. Uh, this will all be stupid and foolish. So, and it's also entirely possible that season two just is not as good as season one by a lot of people's estimation, and season three might be okay. So, and I, I look, I understand where people are coming from when they get angry when they go into r slash Westworld. And people are shitting on the show that they love. Oh, the front page is, is, is full of, right now, today, the front page is full of crap posts, shit posts, uh, yeah. people complaining about season two, and people complaining about people complaining about season yes. two. And, and people, like, and the seceding mods from, fucking get on that seceding shit. from the fucking union here and saying, let's take our conversation to another yeah. Westworld subreddit. And I'm like, I, I get why. You're excited <laughs> to talk about a show that you love. Uh-huh. And there are people who... And you can't enter a thread without someone saying, I didn't love it, and here's why. Right. But to say that those people are wrong, in their mm-hmm. opinion, is is over the line. Like, you can be disappointed that someone doesn't like it as much as you. Right. But it doesn't make their opinion invalid. No. I do think, like, I don't want to say the mods need to get on it. Like, I, if I were going to give them advice, I'd be like, you need to start having some mega threads that, like, can find, like, all debate about mm-hmm. whether Westworld Season 2 is shit or not is here. Yeah. Every other thread Maybe is going to be summarily deleted. Yeah. We'll, we'll post one a week. We can make a sticky thread, but, like, everything else is going to be fucked. Because, like, else it'll just consume the thread. And, and then the people that are kind of in the middle or just want to know more about Westworld are going to get turned off because... I think you need a meme thread, too. Like, yeah. this is the major meme thread. Or if you maybe, want a shit post, put it here. Maybe r slash Westworld memes because, holy yeah. shit, some of that stuff is getting... Like, it's funny. I like it. But, like, <laughs> some you know... Some of it's good, yeah. You got you to... Gotta, it, it's getting harder to find the wheat from the chaff because yeah. it's just a, it's a free-for-all. And I feel like at some point the community leaders need to decide which type of community they want to run and then start shunting these off into other communities or, you know, there'll be anarchy in Bedlam. But yeah, and we'll I, I find it hard as someone who has to go to Reddit um, and mm-hmm. digest what everyone is saying about this right. on a weekly basis to not be a little disheartened with mm-hmm. the, the conversation because I'm looking for, like, I just don't like all the arguments over people's opinions. Yeah. 
Like, I, I enjoy the stuff that's dissecting the show. I enjoy the stuff that's talking about the themes of it. Trying to prove someone's opinion is wrong. Yeah. Like, I telling mean, you, no, this season is better than it's ever been, and here's why you're wrong about right. it being bad. And then there's something is, where, where people, like, just a fool's errand. have a bad interpretation, and you can be like, oh, well, I saw it this way, and they can be like, oh, okay, well, now I, fo- I totally appreciate this scene in a it new cur- in a encourages new conversation instead of encouraging but arguments. But if you're just saying... I you don't like this and your opinion is wrong. That's yeah. that's not interesting to anybody. It I know, really and that, that's half of what it is, and it really gets me down going in there yeah. week after week and seeing that the conversation is only half about the show and half about what people arguing about what people think about yeah. the show. All right, uh, so this is a point in Westworld where we start talking about speculation. Uh, if you are leaving us now, don't forget Westworld at Baldmove dot com is how you send us feedback. Again, you can. Uh, Go to the forums, uh, forums.baldmove.com. There's a thread every week and lots more theory th- threads that sprinkling, uh, sprinkling up all the time. Sprinkling up. Sprinkling them up. Yeah. Sprinkle, you sprinkle and they grow. That's Something like that. what I've been told by uh, everyone I've ever trusted. But now we're going to get into some speculation. <laughs> um, I thought this week was not uh, as big on speculation as I thought it might be because you you unveiled a new superpower from Maeve. Mm-hmm. Um we got a little bit more understanding of like what the cradle is all about. Uh, we got you know Dolores doing some weird shit with Teddy, but the third of the hosts that have apparently never been even programmed, let alone wiped. Maybe it's the fact that two thirds of the hosts on Westworld r slash Westworld are consumed with fighting each other on whether to show sucks or not. Is why yeah. the spec no time for speculation. Or, or when there's a it war just to fight. got drowned out. I never saw it. Like, right. Yeah. Like Teddy Flood, it got drowned. Uh, o and H. First up at the speculation is a person in the bloody bathtub, man in black's daughter that has killed herself. Uh, things we know: one, the wife died of pills; two, he was present when the wife died; three, he's racing up the stairs as if he was present; and four, it cuts to Lawrence's daughter crying almost immediately before cutting to the bloody hand in the tub. Not sure how this would fit in the timeline, though. All right, the whole reason I read this is I wanted to push back on something which we ourselves got wrong, which is there is no evidence of blood in this bathtub. What happened is the bathtub itself is red, like blood red, but the water running down her arm is actually clear. And you can see that in several scenes where the water drips past the boundary of the, the, of the tub. It's, it's completely crystal clear. So because of the lighting and the fact that the tub itself was this deep maroon color, I think it, <laughs> it led people to believe it was full of blood. I that goes against everything I feel is right so hard that I want to go like stop the podcast and watch that scene because I did and holy it's true. shit it's actually super true so huh. like so she might have taken pills got in the bathtub and died and then died uh, now all the other things are huh. true about him be all that stuff is uh, and if you want to spin that into the fact that it's man in black's daughter and and she's dead and he built a new host version and like all like there's all kinds of spin-off theories on that but i i, I wanted to i set the record straight and i'm not saying that she didn't slit her wrist or anything like that i'm just saying that from what i can tell that blood that tub was not full of blood and the liquid huh. running off her hand was not blood it's clear water and i think all the other theories you know on on this are predicated on the idea that he lied about it. Yes. Which is so also, if he didn't even lie if he about did, it, then like, like lying about the circumstances of people's, the, the sure, sure, sure. But, yeah, that's but all. Yeah. My point is if, if he didn't lie about it, then a lot of those theories potentially have no basis. You're right. You're right. Huh. So I just wanted to get, so all the theory crafters, I wanted to make sure we're operating on a common factual 
uh, ground because th- otherwise Breaking it's madness. news. Damn. Uh, Bailey P. Just started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, and I'm loving in-depth content and humor. Thank you. I want to send you a few of my own thoughts after just watching Akana uh, No My. Uh, after the f- past couple episodes, I've noticed that Nolan and Joy have been developing a trope of doubling. Bernard watching himself walk into the cave, Delos' speech about how God is actually just the devil's reflection, and of course, literal doppelbots in this week's episode, just to name a few examples. I'm wondering if all this doubling might be foreshadowing William encountering himself at some point this season. Perhaps his is the consciousness we saw Bernard pocketing. Or perhaps digitally cloning himself was the greatest mistake the man in black said he ever made. Whatever the case, I could definitely see Ford forcing the man in black to encounter his perhaps younger self as part of his game. Mm-hmm. Especially that line about looking backward. <laughs> yeah, um, and that's the thing. Like, My first question is, like, why the fuck would Ford care? But... He cared enough to make a whole fucking game just for William in the crazy aftermath of the bloodbath he engineered. So, mm-hmm. like, I was trying to think, like, why would he have Ford hijacked his process just to do this? Like, th- I mean, you could say that about all the stuff. It's like, why did Ford do? Like, what does he care about William? And what's he trying to teach William? And what, you know, is this an elaborate form of gloating? Is this essentially, like, a post-touchdown dance that Ford is doing? Like, I I don't know. But, like, I don't think you can dismiss that that marble might be a cloned William. Sure. But the frustrating thing about this is we don't know anything about this consciousness transfer, which seems like it would be a piece of technology at least as complex as general artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like the ability to map a person's mind and put it into a electronic facsimile is incredible. Yeah, and I think maybe it's also aided by the fact that they can create artificial intelligences that right. are that advanced. Maybe, yeah. Some of the same constructs might apply. Uh, So... Let's talk about Daniel S.'s theory from Dallas. We saw Maeve gain control of a Whispernet to command host this episode. The only other person we've seen command host without speaking or using a tablet was Ford. Did Ford have some other gestural command system, or was it? does that mean he can literally mentally link with the Whispernet? No, he, he used gestures. Yeah, they're subtle, Yeah, but I don't see any reason to, as uh, Daniel starts to start theorizing that he's got cybernetic implants or any of that stuff. Although, honestly... I wouldn't take a very strong negative take on that, too, because... Not that far-fetched, Why wouldn't he have some kind of antenna built into his finger that he could do stuff with? Sure. Like, it's not... Like, we know there's a whisper net, Mm -hmm. so a human could consciously manipulate it with the right piece of hardware. Sure, fuck it. Why not? Um... Also, I don't know, but but I I definitely don't think you can use that as proof that maybe he's got a host body already. Hmm. Uh, which is where Daniel was going with that. Uh, Noah K., I have come to believe that Ford's real game is to achieve immortality by fundamentally change the way we perceive time itself. Are you strapped in, Jim? Are you Fuck ready? Me. Are you ready to delve into the fourth dimension? Uh, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> in physics, time is often referred to as the fourth dimension in addition to the three spatial dimensions. This is true. I have read theories that we perceive time as a linear forward-moving sequence of events because it's convenient for our biological brains to see it as such, but in fact, there's no reason other than human perception for why time needs to be thought of as linear and forward-moving. Okay. I also broadly agree that that's true. Uh, I wasn't so sure about the idea until Lawrence's daughter's uh, girl said something about if you are looking forward, you're looking in the wrong. You're looking the wrong way. 
My theory is that Ford realized that simply transferring consciousness wouldn't work a long time ago because the mind would reject its own reality, just as Mr. Delos has done over a hundred times in his fishbowl. Therefore, Ford decided to try to approach immortality in a far more abstract way by breaking the linear timeline that our brains have constructed for us to allow us to experience time as we do space. This way you can visit life experiences as places, and you'll never die unless you chose to go to that place within the time dimension. Mm. Ford already set up a model for this in season one with his old family house and the little kid version of himself. Was he trying to model what it would be like to experience a memory as a physical space? We've also seen Bernard begin to experience this. His memories have been de-indexed, so he experiences all his memories as reality. The most recent example, uh, he's beginning to gain more control over how he experiences those memories and do so at will. Perhaps Ford has already achieved this to some extent and is living continuously through the mesh network, able to access memories at any time and experience them as reality. I mean, this is very interstellar. This is very six-dimensional being bullshit. Uh, You know, not for nothing, that's also a Christopher Nolan production, Interstellar. So, like, I'm not going to sit here and say this is not what Jonathan Nolan is up to. Yeah. No, and it, it it's, you know, at once like this really crazy idea mm-hmm. of of interpreting time as like a physical thing uh, that you can just sort of peruse mm-hmm. uh, to, mean- to our brains. But you look at what's happening to Bernard, and I think he yeah. could actually do that. Yeah. Like, if you can experience a memory as perfectly as you experience your current reality. Right. What's the difference? And, and if you can choose to access any memory you want. The problem is, is like, while, I mean, uh, here's my devil's advocate. Uh, the problem is, while you're experiencing that reverie, time itself is moving on. Now, if you're an android True. and you can experience this at lightning fast speeds, you can kind of get, like, time dilation. But still. But it's still moving. It's yeah. like, because, like, I guess the fundamental difference, and this is some of the other like highfalutin concepts I've read that attached to this between time and the other dimension, because obviously you can walk north, you can walk south, you can walk backwards, you can walk forwards. We can traverse these three spatial dimensions uh, various ways and not in just a single direction. There's mm-hmm. in time is entropy. Like like time yeah. is the universe's way to express the concept of, of entropy, and that's why yeah. it's special. Mm-hmm. Um now and also i think in order to have like the full time as a a physical place you can explore thing you have to also be able to see into the future Hmm, as we would define it right Right. you can't you can't say okay everything from here back is accessible but the future is not that's that's linear but there are weird like you know like that was something that like uh, the arrival uh played with like the fact that we can uh, potentially learn to experience time the way we do any other dimension that's something interstellar plays with there's lots of science fiction concepts that play with this the problem is like if, if ford is just modeling this like you know like a model is not reality so like why but while he's experiencing this again he's still getting older he's going back to mm-hmm. this cabin but he's still getting older um i but but you know maybe it's a training it's, it's something that he's trying to get them to boost to that level right uh, and I do that think would it, be a satisfying twist honestly and uh, very sci-fi twist and I think it's interesting in the context of beings who don't die um, mm, it, right. it becomes doubly or they can you know? they can choose to die by just like uh, well I'm ready to I'm ready to perceive that part of the timeline and then they cease to exist <laughs> I guess uh, I don't know yeah. I mean that's uh, yeah that's that's where I start getting I need, season four I need I need a theoretical physicist to come on the show to <laughs> to, to to carry the conversation further yeah 
but it, it's the first time I've seen something like that, Noah, so well done. Uh, let's see. Corey H., uh, I thought I would uh, take this opportunity to fan the Dolores is on Ford's loop flame. Dolores has rerouted her quote-unquote plan and is now intent on intercepting Abernathy, having the train stripped and outfitted to head back to the Mesa to follow Charlotte and her men to get her father back. Is Dolores need to get Abernathy back an act of free will and love like Maeve searching <laughs> for her daughter? Or is it, as I believe, part of Ford's loop compelling Dolores to keep Abernathy from falling into Dolores' hands and leaving the park? Um, I thought that's a super cool idea because, mm. again, the whole reason they're trying to do this with Abernathy is to bypass Ford's draconian restrictions on moving ma- materials and data out of the park. So what if this is just an end run around that where, like, Dolores thinks she's free. Maeve is the one that's actually free. Dolores is still doing a loop to bamboozle, Cath- uh, to, to, to bamboozle Hale. Yeah. Uh, Interesting I idea. I, I thought all of that was the wind-up for the pitch that was coming, but... What is the pitch that's coming? I, I thought there was going to be like a stream of evidence for to to support the claim. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's more work. of like you've got a motive and you've got a means. Uh-huh. So like you still need a, a theory of the uh, of the case, but like you've that that's that's some big hurdles. I, I do feel like all of the evidence we've seen is circumstantial, for lack of a better term. You well, know? That's... Uh, of Dolores still being on a loop, and everything else the show has been trying to tell us is that she's not. So, right, which is in itself circumstantial evidence that she is sure. because of the fucking way the show works. Yeah, uh, uh, Corey also has a uh, follow-on point. Um, I was also struck with the connection while watching the episode of Maeve's commands not working in Shogun World. The episode highlighted the English commands from Maeve not working in Shogun World due to using the wrong language. Does this also explain the Ghost Nation's inability to be commanded? The Lesser Hemsworth didn't have luck commanding them in English. When Maeve encountered them in the riverbed, hmm. she commanded them in English and not her native tongue. Does this mean it's a literal language barrier for Maeve's commands? Uh, I mean, so this throws this potentially throws a bucket of cold water on the Ghost Nation is like the savior of humanity kind of theory. Except they capture and don't kill humans. I but think they, they, there's they, still some evidence there, but they could be. But they could have other reasons because of their program culture for doing that sure they that's could not the fact that they've literally been you know they're they're the they're the, state, they're the faction that's looking out after humanity yeah um when i hear a bucket of cold water i think disproves and uh, that's certainly not true of that theory um no. but yeah i think that's an interesting context to put that in because i hadn't considered it before and you know this, this is this this show does love to introduce new information in an unconnected way to then uh, uh, when when on rewatch you're like oh right yeah right so I don't know I don't know I also think it was like I think in the season one of Westworld it would have taken several episodes for Maeve to to realize this this Whispernet power uh, and this is another example of the accelerated pace of Westworld revelations like they mm-hmm. introduced explained and fully developed the power within a single episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess not fully develop the power, but they go from her being aware of the attack, like a premonition, to her controlling a vast army mm-hmm. in the space of a single episode. Um, and that I, I think that's defensive storytelling because <laughs> uh, they like like imagine if they had had a scene where they she just anticipates the attack because she can hear the whispers. People would be like, "Oh, no. fucking mesh network." She's becoming a, like they would have been that that would have been like the 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 top three threads on r slash Westworld. Yeah, and you look at how they unfolded the the 
her consciousness in season one, right? Right. How many times she killed herself and came back or mm-hmm. died and came back and mm-hmm. like how that process just had to loop over and over and over. Right. Yeah, this one didn't. Right. This one was pretty quick. Right. So there we go. Uh, that is the final email in the speculation section. Uh, fine, just one final time, westworld.baldmove.com is where you want to send that feedback. Uh, if you want to keep up of what we're doing, uh, baldmove.com is a great place to start. But we also have presences on social media. If you want to know the second that our podcast drop or something new comes out, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, etc. at or slash baldmove. Uh, and again, that's it for this week. Be back next Sunday for the Instant Talk podcast. Uh, instant take for all the people who are not club members, but uh, an interactive chat session for those that are. That's a lot of fun. And Tuesday we'll be back with with the full analysis podcast. Uh, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>